And welcome to Screen Masters with me, Bav. And me, Fluff. Uh, and before we get into our main topic today, which is uh, covering the second half of, uh, it was our part two, rather, of our Star Wars The Clone Wars animated series journey, uh, we're going to be looking at seasons four through seven. But first, uh, let's get the admin out of the way. If you want to get involved in the conversation and uh, tell us, you know, how bigger idiots we are. Uh, if you want to be nice, you can, you know, perhaps tell us your favourite episode from The Clone Wars. Did we miss any? Are there any that stick out for you by the time we finish this? Uh, you can do all of this and interact with us at facebook.com forward slash The Screen Masters and now on Twitter at The SM underscore pod. So that's Twitter forward slash The SM underscore pod, or you can just at us at The SM underscore pod. Uh, if you want to go back and watch any of the stuff, obviously uh, you can via the podcast medium you're presumably listening to us by now. Um, if you want to go and look at any of the YouTube stuff, it is bit.ly forward slash bitebackyt. Uh, and if you'd like to support the cause in any more direct ways, get a t-shirt maybe, uh, get into... Various other rewards, I can't remember them off the top of my head, so I'm going to fluff around that. Uh, you can go to bit.ly forward slash biteback Patreon, where you will find tiers at... Two, four, and six dollars? Exactly. I, I don't know, it's been a while. Or is it ten, the last one? I can't remember. I've lost like, track of this point. You normally bang on with this stuff, yeah, so we'll just yeah. assume we're right. Um, yes, and of course, as I always say, remember the bite is spelt as a computer bite, not a food bite. So, yes, today on the show, we are going to be discussing the second half of the Star Wars Clone Wars season, bringing us up to the end of season seven. Uh, that was released uh, this year, I think, wasn't it? 2020, yeah, I think I'd two, be right. Three, two or three months Yeah, it wasn't ago, that long ago, was it? Yeah, it wasn't that um, long ago. So, because uh, it, yeah, it came around lockdown starting, didn't it? So it was like... Perfect. I want to say two or three months, but lockdown has been... Yeah, exactly. For a little time while now, time, con- concept of time, yeah. gone out the fucking window at this moment. Time, what actually is time? anymore mm. uh but of course as i usually do i would like to turn to the words of this week the band alphaville alpha i've never heard of alphaville oh you'd know the song okay so the lyrics are let's dance in style let's dance for a while heaven can wait we're only watching the skies hoping for the best but expecting the worst are you gonna drop the bomb or not Bum, bum, bum. Forever young, I want to be forever young, and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, for the listeners, that song is from a TV show that I've just started watching. Now, I'm keeping this TV show a secret at the minute, because when i am finished it, we will do an episode on it, because I'm fairly sure that Fluffy has seen it. So for the next few recordings, until I finish watching the show, I'm going to be picking songs from that TV show that are used in episodes and quoting those instead. So okay. that was Forever Young by Alphaville. There's your first oh, clue. God. Uh, we discussed this off pod last night, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, I've started watching a, a, a new TV show. I'm not going to say what it is because it's, it's one that I'm very much looking forward to. It's, it's very funny. It's ruined my sleep patterns because I can't fall asleep watching it because it's too funny. Um, so I, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm very much enjoying it and I'm part way through 
at the minute. I would say I'm probably about a fifth of the way through it at this point. But I, I will be continuing to drop hints. And we'll see whether Fluffy works it out before I actually tell him. I am genuinely the like... The next episode is going to be based on X. the hell? So this, this will be amusing. But yes, that is a song for, that is used in the first series of this TV show. Um, but yeah, that will be fun for us to watch over the next few weeks. Anyway, I've done enough rabbiting. Let's throw it over to you. Have What have you been watching? Uh, what do you want to tell us about? What are you bringing to the So, form? I mean, I've I have kind of gone over and rewatched uh some old stuff at the moment. Uh just just picked some random stuff because um I had to go and dog sit last weekend for for my mum and so I didn't really have access to my usual media collection so I went down and uh I ended up watching um the Old Guard, first of all, which actually is... Oh, yes, that's Charlie Theron based on a comic, isn't yeah. it? I want to watch have that you... as well. Oh, you've not so watched it? I think it's it. okay. from her production company as well. Yeah, yeah. She's doing some really yeah. interesting projects with that company. I watched Bombshell yeah. the other day, which I think was backed by her company as well, and that's a fascinating film. It really is. Yeah, it was actually surprising because it's one of these ones I was like, oh, it's a director Netflix. Uh, you know, I've still not watched, is it Extraction, I think, with Chris Hemsworth? Yeah, you see, I hadn't watched Everybody's that, but I tell, you what, of, you know. yeah, I tell you what I saw the other day, though, that is going to make me watch it, is there's mm. a sequence in there that they've chained together like a 12-minute action sequence and made it look like one shot, and I always love that sort of shit. And that, that, for me, again, when you hear that sort of stuff, it shows that there's a director on there who has got some flair, has got some sure. talent. So actually... I'm now interested again because, yeah, what seems like a very bog standard tale that I've seen a thousand times mm-hmm. could actually have something interesting to say or might be a little bit different because I now am aware that there's someone with a bit of talent behind the camera. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was surprising. Uh, I, I've got to say, because it was one of those films I was like kind of under the radar, so to speak, you know, sometimes yeah. when they're streaming exclusives or you know just just avoid the cinema and go straight to to streaming this is one of those films i think probably benefited from going straight to the streaming platforms than than being in the cinema i'm sure it may have done quite well at the cinema um but i think under current times this is the perfect kind of film to to have on netflix at the moment very enjoyable cast enjoyable plot a couple of a couple of plot points, plot holes, which I'll address once once you've actually watched it. I think we'll probably discuss that. Just because there's a couple of things in it that don't make logical, chronological sense to me. But again, mm. that's me being the usual nitpicker that I am. Uh, I've read a few people have issues with how the music plays with the fight scenes. I didn't really pick up on that. Um, but yeah, a bit of an international cast. Uh, you know, uh, Chiawit Edge of Four is in there as the usual kind I'm of sorry. great character that he's... I've got to pick you up on that. What Go did on. you just say his name was? Ch- Chiwet Ejiofor, isn't it? Are you talking about Chiwetel? Chiwetel? Okay, my apologies. Pronunciations, my apologies. The, 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 the you know, the one of the coolest men in Serenity. <laughs> you mean the baddie Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. well aware That's who right. the actor is. He's been in many, many things. I, I didn't realise I was pronouncing his name wrong. No, no, I'm trying to get it straight in my head. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Be- I'm he's picking on me, picking everybody. Himself. He's I'm picking on me. He's picking on me, everyone. That, that's the act. Um, it's not like we don't have. It, it, we don't. It's not I'm like we don't have to. Yeah, you bastard. Me. Tell um, me how much of a bully yeah, I am. Come on, we we had Kamali Nanjani, which we still both can't even pronounce. You know the, these yeah, these complicated true, true. names. We're we're too 
crappy people. Yeah. I've always thought it was. I, I've always that, been told that, it was Chimitel for his first name. And then yes, the surname is something along the lines of Ija Four. You knew who I meant anyway. I don't know whether you pronounce the O or not. Really, <laughs> that's that's why I was trying to confirm. So yeah, he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't recorded one in a couple of weeks, uh, so you know we 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 need to get all this know, crap out of our system. Um, and uh, yeah, it was enjoyable. Theron is is the usual kind of intense actress that she is, and she's not. I mean, she's not one of my favorite actresses of all times, but she does good roles. And um, yeah, this is good. Yeah, she's, she's got a hell of a I mean, Jesus, yeah, she's she's won Academy Awards. I mean, to be fair, the the best thing I've ever seen, or the best character that I've ever seen her as was in uh, Arrested Development, oddly enough, as a slightly um, mentally unstable uh, individual who's is a little bit childlike. And she's so goddamn funny in that. Ridiculously funny. And then you see her in intense things, mm. and I'm like, she does have range. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the, the, the one that always stands out to me is anything she does. Like, you look at the, the sort of the role that she does in the Fast and Furious franchise since she's been introduced in that, uh, or the uh, Aeon Flux, or like I say, Bombshell, oh, and then Aeon something Flux. like Monster. Oh, but you take any, you know, you put, oh, Aeon Flux is a crap film, I'm not standing by that, but my point is that she's still, you know, she's still doing a good job to, with what she's been given. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, I like Charlize Theron, I rate her mm. quite highly. I think she's a very talented actress, and like I say, with a, I've been following her production company, and she's she's doing some very interesting. Yeah, stuff. I think I listened to a, an interview that she did with. Um, it was on the Mayo and po- Kermode podcast, I believe. It was uh, when she was discussing ah, the nation's favorite I film. Think it was, uh, I think it was Simon Mayo. She was discussing with a, a number of things. And yeah, she's she's yeah. very very uh, you know on the ball with with great many things yeah i think that is probably the same interview i heard yeah. that then made me go and look into her production company and what was what what projects she was looking yeah. at um so yeah there was that um i went back and just because i was i was in a place which had a nice big tv surround sound i hadn't watched endgame in a long time so i decided to watch endgame nice. um so that was very enjoyable again sometimes you forget about some of the subtleties in that so that was that um i've also started watching but again i think we touched on this last night i haven't really watched more than a couple of episodes of so the opposite which is the okay. tv series which comes from justin roiland um and mike mcmahan mcmahan i'm terrible with these names um but anyway it's obviously justin roiland from uh, always sorry uh from rick and morty I was always about to. Yep. I was just about to say my, my favorite show was Sunny there, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a bit different. Is he in that as well then? Who uh, Justin Roiland? Is, yeah, Roiland. He, he plays Corvo, uh, who's kind of like one okay. of the main characters, like the dad of the family. It's a bit of a weird one. Um, it's a little bit darker in places. Like you'd say, oh, Rick and Morty can be dark at times. The kids in this in this family basically kidnap humans and then keep them in this menagerie wall. So they're basically just shrink down humans drop them in and it's like mad max era style shit going on in the wall it's weird i've only got two three episodes in it's weird but it's enjoyable um so yeah i'm curious on that one um other than that i've just finished watching just in preparation because i uh I'm looking forward to the second season of Umbrella Academy at the end of the month. So I'd finish watching, uh, rewatching season one again this week. Still don't love Ellen, Ellen Page in this uh, mm-hmm. and, and her little story. D- didn't really, it didn't really capture me. I think the the actor that she goes alongside 
for most of her scenes that the guy who's kind of twisting her, he's terrible. And that just really didn't help the storyline. Other than that, I think the rest of the supporting cast was fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so I watched the trailer for that. And obviously the boys too season Ooh, yes i'm looking forward to that trailer popped up again this week as well so yeah it's just like preparation for uh for some big stuff later this yeah, month very much end. looking forward to the boys very much looking forward to that the first season um, so aside from the tv series which you won't tell me you've been watching even though clearly you think that i'll have watched it um, I, i'm what, fairly what sure you've watched it it's not something you mention a lot but i'm i'm damn sure you've seen it and i i wonder whether it's just sort of fallen off your radar a little bit but we'll I've, w- I've watched so many things. A- exactly, because like clearly you, you know. watch shows like Umbrella Academy that you don't like, but you continue watching. It's it's <laughs> not that. No, no, no. It's not that I don't like it. I enjoy it. It's just the Ellen Page stuff is a bit meh for me. I'm hoping that they sort that out uh, in the second series. Uh, but it was all just a, a very long prelude to kind of going, she's a bit unstable. We, you could pretty much tell that right from the get-go. Get there a little bit quicker without the yes. horrible side character that yeah anyway move over to you so what have you been watching other than this random show uh so the, the a couple of things well uh, yeah like you i've, I've it's funny I've, I've turned to netflix <laughs> i don't know why but yeah i've turned to netflix uh to watch a few things recently and um i i re-watched the raid 2 the other day and just yeah i some of the sequences in that because i always remember certain martial artsy more martial artsy sequences in it but I'd forgotten a couple. Like, there's an amazing car chase in there that I'd absolutely forgotten some of the techniques that he's using. Uh, he makes the the camera flow out of one car into another car and then out of one car into another car as a continuous shot, and it isn't. But when you you know, and that isn't something that's uh, like Deadpool does that flying, you know, going from one car out of one car into another out the window back in again. But that's all CG. Like they they they're using CG camera to or whatever to to make that happen. They're using effects, whereas Gareth Evans uses practical techniques to achieve it. So he literally had a camera coming out of the window, speeding up on a bike or whatever the camera was on to catch up with the car in front to then push the you know zoom the camera into that window, cut the yeah. shot there, then go inside and spin the camera as if it's just cutting it in, push it out the other window, back outside. But the way you know, to do that all practically, and again, this isn't a CGI car chase. This is a car chase. This is a practical car chase that's being performed in you know, Korea, Indonesia. I'm not sure where it's set, actually, to be honest. I, I think it's Indonesia. I think it is. Um, so, although I might just be saying that because Iko Uwa is from Indonesia, but uh, and now someone will at me and tell me that's not correct. But <laughs> there's bits in there that I'd forgotten about. Anyway, I won't go on about it because I've, I've mentioned the Raid before, the Raid movies before and how much I love them. But yes, I'd, I'd forgotten a couple of bits of that one because I've realised I've seen the first one more. Um, I was then interested to see The Five Bloods, uh, Spike Lee's new joint, mm. as he likes to call them, and I quite like using the same terms for it just because it's fun. So, yes, I watched uh, The Five Bloods, uh, Spike Lee's new one. Uh, have you seen that yet? No, it's uh, it's on my, my watch list uh, mm. for this weekend, actually. I yes. had that and something else, I can't remember, which, uh, which I had on my watch list for this weekend. Yeah. It's. I would say the, the the you know the general plot and narrative isn't anything that you haven't heard of or you know we've we've seen before. I'm not sure I've seen a film that exactly follows it, but I know there are films along a similar line. So this is mm-hmm. uh, four 
Delroy Lindo, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, and Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah? Isaiah. Mm. I'm going to go with Isaiah. Whitlock Jr. are Vietnam vets. And uh, we are in the present day. And they have gone back to Vietnam uh, to find the body of their the fifth member of their team, because they were the five bloods. Um, and the fifth member of their crew is played by Chad- Chadwick Boseman. Uh, he died. And they go back to find his body so they can give him a, a proper burial or whatever. Um, and also, it transpires through flashbacks that we see of when they were in the war, they discovered gold, a huge stash of gold bullion on a plane that had been downed. And so they buried it back in the war with the intention of coming back years later to collect it and uh, and get theirs, as as they're saying. Um so that you know, that's the general setup. They go back, they you know, try and get the gold, and then they try and get away with it. That's you know, it's it's almost a heist movie essentially, really. But it it, it does obviously being um being a Spike Lee film, he's he does this very interesting thing uh for me that I found it in Black uh, Black Klansman as well, which is another cracking film. And obviously he's he's very interested in looking at uh you know the the topic of race and uh, seeing that from different sides and things. Um because even in this, he Delroy Lindo's character in the film is a Trump supporter. He voted for Trump. And there's quite an interesting sequence right at the beginning of the film where they're discussing politics and why why or rather how a black man could have voted for Trump because it seems so ridiculous to the the rest of his gang. Um, But it it, it causes an interesting political dialogue on the subject. Mm. Um, He, he tends to, my point was Spike Lee, I don't know which way he goes with it, but he, he likes to, you know, if a character references something from black political, uh, from black culture or from black history, um, like there are times when he pops up a picture on screen of that person that's being discussed, uh, maybe with a little note about them or what they were did, what they were doing at that time, just to sort of give you the information. Now, I like to think that he's doing this to be inclusive. Because someone like myself, yes, I'm a lower middle class white guy from the UK. I, I don't know what the, you know, the, 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 the the history of uh, black people in America is other than slavery. You know, I don't know what happened after that. I don't know how that that then propagated through history and and sort of led us to where we are today with the Black Lives Matter movement and racism still being a thing. Because again, in, in my head, it just, I don't understand why racism is a thing, but that's because I'm of a different generation, I guess, or a, a different viewpoint. I don't understand. It just doesn't compute to me how that even happens. You know, I've discussed before, my the, the thing I hate the most is is humans being shitty to other humans for no fucking good reason and like properly shitty to them you know as we mentioned before in the band of brothers episode with the uh the holocaust and that but i I like to think that he's doing it to inform and educate because he understands that the people who aren't watching his uh, that are watching his films are not all uh, you know well-educated uh people on the subject of black history and black Mm -hmm. culture so i like to think that he's trying to help me understand and and help me identify with this if i have no frame of reference for that for it um so i thought yeah I, I think the film's really good i think it's really really interesting as well as a as as someone as i say who who doesn't know necessarily the struggles of of the black community in america uh and and what's happened over there over the 
past. Uh, and not to say that it is a full historical journey, but as I say, there are times when people mef- re- reference things and mention things and, and they are then signposted to the viewer. There's a an incredible bit towards the end where Delroy Lindo's character gets separated from the group and just does a monologue into camera for about 10 minutes. And it's fascinating. It really is because it is, it is talking about those things. And as I say, his character is one that has mixed, uh, you know, he, he voted for Trump, but he, he is a proud black man. And it's almost his character trying to reconcile those things at times in this monologue. Um, but it, it's a really powerful, powerful thing that that piece. I, I would say that the work as a whole isn't anything you haven't seen before. But I do think that because of the characters he's chosen, the fact that it's an all black cast for those main characters, there are other uh, white characters in there, mostly French uh, workers and things like that. And Jean Reno's in it. I haven't seen Jean Reno for fucking years. Wow, he got fat. Um, but you know it it. It, it, it does elevate itself, I think, for me anyway, because of these extra bits that are in there that brought something new to a story or put a new spin on a story I thought I already knew inside out and backwards. It's one of those films I think came out. I, want, I don't want to say at the right time because yeah, no, but I but totally I agree. It, with you. I it, think it you're out absolutely at right. that point where reflection upon certain things. What what I have in you know bit been intrigued by is. You go on Netflix and there is kind of a, uh, you know, there is a section on, you know, kind of black stories of... Yeah, uh, black stories black and things and, like and that. Yeah, absolutely. I know we've touched, we may have touched on this previously. The uh, I still, I've, I've read uh, a couple of people talk about this since. Um, but for me, it's, you go back and watch the, the, the DS9 episode, Star Trek DS9 episode, where Cisco goes back in time to the 1950s and he's a science fiction writer and it's one of the most powerful episodes I've ever watched of Star Trek ever, because mm. you know, again, like you say, when I was young, didn't have the the presence of of what struggles they'd gone through, and you put that into the context of that, and it's this guy who was envisaging the idea of a, a black captain in a space station far in the future. And it gets shot down by the publishers because they're like, sorry, it's not believable. And it's like, but it's a mm. fantasy. And so, we, you know, to, for him to, to believe that they can reach for the stars figuratively and literally. Uh, and it's just still one of the, and, and yeah, just going through that list. And I was very happy to see DS9 is out. I was like, you know what? You should, because that has a very strong presence with, yeah. um, uh, with, with, you know, multiple stories over the course of the seasons. But, um, Mm. Uh, and then uh, oh, the, the the only criticism I have is that I think it's maybe a tiny bit too long because it's it's about two and a half hours I think uh, if I remember rightly they make me wait two hours for my shit you have to wait two hours before you get shit because <laughs> I, I was just sitting there the whole time going come on you know you're going to do it you know you're going to do it yeah. And they make you get two hours in so that you ain't going to leave after you've heard it. <laughs> uh, for, for those who aren't aware, uh, one of the characters, <laughs> oh, sorry, one of the actors uh, in, in The Five Bloods is from The Wire. And, uh, Isaiah uh, Whitlock Jr. Well, let's face it, yeah. Clark Peters is in it. Yeah. Because he's, oh, I forget, I always forget, his, I want to say, Bunk. no, it's not, it's not Luther, it's something else, isn't it? Is he Bunk? Is it Bunk? I thought Clark Peters was the one who made the little doll's house furniture. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Lester. 
Lester Friedman. Sorry. That's him. Yeah. Lester, that's yeah. Wendell Pierce. Sorry. sorry, Wendell Pierce. Is, uh, Pierce, is, is the other it. guy. So it's because they were they were both in in Tremay as well, and I was constantly oh, getting um, fucking useless at that. Uh, because yeah, Clark Peters in, and Isaiah were. I'm not sure about Delroy. I'd be surprised if Delroy Lindo wasn't in the wire somewhere. But he, he, he I do not, not recall him ever being in the wire. No. Um, but yeah, so yes, I, Isaiah Whitlock's uh, genius yeah. character was famous for saying shit again. Uh, probably cover that in episode six, our HBO shows one. That probably gets mentioned because yeah, I think we I actually think clipped that in, didn't we? A bit. Of I think we tried to. Yeah, don't, don't, most whether definitely. it got demonetized or copyright struck or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's um, certainly a series that we will we will visit in uh, in a future pod. Put it that way, but it's it's a hefty uh, it's a I'm hefty series to get through. Yeah, because it's, it's one of the old, one of the old twenty two episode jobbies, isn't it? Yeah. So five seasons um, of twenty two. It's, it's, it's not like the the, matter, uh, the the content matter of that is uh, is. Is small again, very prevalent going on in in today's culture and things like that. Absolutely, uh, you know, it's uh, very interesting. So yeah, something to revisit. Um, and then off the back of that, I then again on the uh, uh, another podcast. Other podcasts do exist, not that we like to promote them, but I will promote this one because it doesn't do exactly the same thing we do. So um, yeah, the the UK's favourite film review podcast, as they would like me to call it, I'm sure. Uh, the Kermode and Mayo film review on a Friday um, pointed me towards a documentary called 13th on Netflix, uh, which is uh, was directed by Ava DuVernier. Uh, I think it's from 2016 and is essentially, or, you know, as, as I've been discussing here, I don't know the history. And essentially this this is that history. This is because it's it's called 13th after the 13th Amendment, which was the abolition of slavery. But it then looks into the laws that were produced after that and then essentially shows you how, uh, from from that point of view, how how, how the, the situation has escalated to the point it is today, how racism is still a thing, and how, you know, structures that were put in place 20, 30, 40, 100 years ago are still affecting... Uh, the modern day black communities, um, and again, I I found it very interesting, very eye opening, because um, uh, I didn't know and I I wanted to be educated on these things. Um, so yeah, I I feel I have a, a you know a bit of an understanding now for for how things got there. I again, I have no reason to, you know, I have no reason to disbelieve anything I saw there. I know there are conservative political commentators in the U.S. who would debunk everything i watched but yeah that's what they like to do because they don't agree with the story so they are going to try and debunk it in any way they can i don't you know when you've got quotes included in this documentary from the right hand men of the presidents who were putting in laws and these right hand men are specifically saying yeah that law was to go for the hippies that law was to go for the black man and you know, this is the right-hand man of the president who put it in place, talking candidly behind the scenes. He didn't realise he was being recorded. And, you know, if they're admitting that when they don't think they're being recorded, why should I have any reason to disbelieve that that was the purpose as far as that president or the government at that time were concerned? One uh, one film that I watched a little while ago, I don't know whether I mentioned it. I, I, I say a little while ago. 
again, months, weeks, days are all kind of blending into one at the moment. But um, one which I did watch some time ago, which um, I really enjoyed and I've been years since I watched, was the, the, the Butler. I'm not sure if you've ever watched that at all. No, no not heard of that even. Um, so it basically tells the story of um, a young kid who, you know, I think this is a point, I want to say the 1920s, maybe later, maybe later. Uh, and basically it's a young black kid who whose family kind of goes on some harsh shit and, uh, and, and eventually he, you know, his, his family dies and he goes to a hotel and becomes kind of a, a concierge. And, um, and yeah, basically it's the story of his life as he continues on. Um, and it's, it, it's really insightful because he be- ends up becoming a butler um, in the white house. And this is all based on a true story. Um, and it um, stars Forrest Whitaker, Oprah Winfrey's in there as well. And there's just a couple of really, really in- enjoyable scenes where he's, uh, Forrest Whitaker, um, his character, he's, he's sitting and he's talking with a couple of presidents because he's, you know, a butler in the white house. So yeah, he's, he's, had the ear of of a couple of presidents and it's funny watching his interactions with some of them um and as things go on his son is a bit of a political activist and gets arrested numerous times and things like that and it kind of bookends by the end and uh you know he's kind of ignored all of the things that his son's been doing all the protests and stuff and it kind of bookends at the end where he goes out there and starts protesting with his son and he couldn't be prouder because of what his son's doing and stuff. Really interesting film. If you haven't watched it, do. Hmm. Yeah, I might have a look at that. Um, but yeah, so that, that 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 was pretty much me. I just decided to educate myself a little bit and try and learn some stuff. Because, uh, you know, that's that's what life's about. I always say that uh, my, my go-to is that uh, a mind that doesn't think it needs to learn anything new or think it need, uh, knows all it needs to is a closed one. And I, I never want to be that way. I always, I've always got stuff to learn. We all have because the world changes and there are new things to learn. Exactly. So it's a constant learning curve for everything. Um, so yeah, I'm always very happy to learn and, and to, to be educated on things so that at least I feel I've got somewhat of a grasp on when, you know, unfortunately current things, you know, current events. Um, it, it, like I say, it strikes me as backwards that it should be a thing in 2020, but I, I get that that's the way it is. So all we can do is try and push towards a future where it isn't. Mm. Uh, so, all right, let's leave that. Let's move away. We left last time on season three because I hadn't finished quite the end of season <laughs> four of The Clone Wars. And, and it's not like we're a little bit late recording this as well because you still hadn't watched the final season by, by the time we were supposed to record this last week. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I was done last week. I, I could have done it last week. I, I didn't have the piece of recording equipment I needed. Yeah, there was that So that's too, why it? I chose to just bail on it. I, I was done by about one-ish, so I could have done it. But um, That's a little bit of insight for you kids, uh, kids all at home. Uh, there you go, see? Behind the scenes? Yeah, behind, but, 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 but behind the scenes, you know, oh, it's not all as, as, as if we've got any sense of professionalism <laughs> in this shit, mate. Particularly since this lockdown what, what thing happened. Need, it's so what, hard. What are you trying to imply? What are you trying to imply? 
Sorry, I'm implying that I struggle this with this remote stuff. I, I, <laughs> I can't wait for the day when we can actually be in front of each other again, so I can read your face as we're doing this and respond to things in a in a more you know like that rather than having to wait and see whether you're going to speak before I make the joke I'm going to make or whether in trying to make the joke I'm going to make I'm going to crash you because you're going to start your next sentence before I've started talking in your headset whereas when we're together you can see that my mouth's about to open to make a joke or something so you can stop what you're doing or I can see that you're going to make a joke so I can stop what I'm doing it's so hard I hate it Sorry, there you guys. go. There you anyway. go, everybody. The insights of uh, well, this of is the this is Masters podcast. Crap, that was a waste <laughs> of time. We should cut that bit. Um. Anyway, season four of Star season Wars, four. the Clone Wars. It's so. called Battle Lines, apparently. Yes. So we'll jump straight into this one. Now, I'm not going to lie. Season four is is one of the weakest seasons for this. I'm looking at the amount of notes I've made. Again, guys, be, uh, apologies for the rustly paper, but as we said before, paper. there's about 18 pages front and back on oh. A3 paper, so it's good fun. I would, yes, there's one sort of four-episode Yeah, towards the end run. of the season. But there's let's... two, actually. I'd, I'd say there's two four-episode runs that I've really enjoyed. Okay, that's that's not too bad. Um, now, you can tell straight off the bat the, the reason why I'm not a huge fan at the beginning of this because yep. it involves Jar Jar Binks and the Gungan army. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it just it, it just doesn't become enjoyable then. Um, <laughs> you know, when you, when you get the silliness of Jar Jar and all that kind of crap, I, I'm just not bothered. Um, and it just loses something for me at times. Mm-hmm. They're still going on with the Clone Wars, but at the same time, it just becomes all a bit of a mess. You throw Padme into the mix. You throw Jar Jar into the mix. It takes something away. Um, yeah. That said, I mean, there are some enjoyable moments throughout the series. Uh, well, c- well, come back to this. Come back to that first. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, sure. The, the first, you're quite right. The first four episodes are all about uh, uh, the war goes to Mon Calamari, uh, where Admiral Akbar's from. It's his race, and they get the Gungan army to come in and help them because it's an underwater battle and they need some underwater guys. I, I totally agree. The first three episodes particularly, I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to see this because, as you say, it's just Jar Jar being – it's that thing we've seen before. He's a clumsy fucker, and he falls over, and he trips over, and he makes something go wrong, and blah, blah, blah. I just, I've fucking seen it, man. I saw it in The Phantom Menace. I don't want to see it again. Either make the character grow – or take him the fuck out because I'm. I don't find him. He's not a comedy relief either. You know, the the like the droids in the original films were the comedy relief. I get yeah. that, yeah. and they worked. And they there are times in the second one where they they are a decent comedy relief. But he, yeah, Jar Jar was supposed to be the comedy relief for the first one. You just he's a fucking annoying bastard. But what I will say is my notes here. Uh, this I did then retract this. I'll admit. As we when we get there, you'll see when. But episode four, I actually wrote the notes. Well, the death of the Gungan general got me because the Gungan general sacrifices himself for the the Republic to be able to capture General Grievous, mm. and I thought that was pretty good. I but... also have written this was the episode, the fourth episode, where they finally got Jar Jar over to me. It took three seasons. And for them to show him as having some brains. Because there is a sequence in that fourth one where his clumsiness suddenly doesn't cause bad things. His clumsiness what? causes him to win the little battle they're having. 
You mean like Darth Jar Jar? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so <laughs> that they got him over to me there, and actually, at that after that episode, I was like, "Huh, all right, I don't hate Jar Jar anymore." Now, foolishly, as we discover, this was mm-hmm. because I thought the character had reached a bit of a turning point, and they were not going to portray him as the clumsy oaf idiot anymore. Because they'd given him a bit of a, 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 a sort of a yeah, they'd changed the character. They'd given him an arc, but of course, no, that yeah, that doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, uh, what have we got next? Yeah, we're on yeah an R two D two and thingy episode. Yeah, yeah, again, it's like oh, okay, it's an R two and C three PO. Bit of comedy. Guess what? They're going to go off. They're going to do some hijinks. Yeah, they're, I don't they're mind them for a one off. It's it's samey. That's yeah, the problem. You, the, the, this is the thing. Give me a one-off as a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. Fine. You know, to to take me away from the harsh stuff and the harsh realities if you go in there with the next few episodes, which they do. Yeah. So, yeah, by all means, give me a palate cleanser. I don't need two episodes, though. I don't want yeah. two episodes of it. Um. Yeah, so then we get to the Umbaran campaign, mm. which is a fascinating series of four episodes, I thought. Mm. Um, where we get the introduction of Admiral, uh, no, General, it would be Krell, who is a Jedi commander. But essentially, he has, the clones are numbers to him. They are not people. He refers to them as CT5555, not, or CT5555, isn't it, they call him? Um, Yeah, exactly. Or, I can't remember the other numbers. I think Echo's 0408, but I don't know whether he's there. Anyway. and he they he just keeps sending them on essentially suicide missions so he's, he either, he's either not a very good strategist or he just doesn't give a shit for the collateral yeah. damage and yeah. to be honest i think it's a bit of both but <coughs> he doesn't seem to have any problem sending them to their deaths and obviously rex particularly it is very much against that because mm-hmm. he wants to look out for his troopers because that's yeah. his role yeah he, he is cap he is captain of the 501st um so essentially the episode goes through and they end up confronting him don't they because there's no one else the jedi don't like obi-wan clearly doesn't like what krell is saying but he's a jedi but he's a jedi and he doesn't he can't you know at the end of the day yeah you can't save every clone trooper so yeah mm-hmm. uh and obviously he it appears that him at that point isn't in a position to do anything to help anyway because he's got his own campaign going on somewhere else and obviously this campaign should be anakin's but anakin yes. has to go away at the beginning of it which brings Ponkrell in instead um obviously by the time we get to the end of it we discover that actually uh general krell is a separatist sympathizer uh and yeah was essentially trying to sabotage this campaign from the very beginning Mm -hmm. um but yeah i thought that was really interesting because again it, it, it you know when you actually think about the themes that those episodes focus on it's death it's the cost of war it's uh, you know, uh, p- p- people's lives versus the greater good, because the greater good would be to win the war, supposedly. Mm-hmm. So you have to spend lives to make the to win the war. So there is a cost. So what? How do you justify those costs? Yeah. 
is it about justifying the total cost or is it about mitigating the costs all the way along and doing the best you can to try and make sure that that you know you get the best results you can whilst protecting the people it, uh, again when we've seen other campaigns from obi-wan from from anakin they are always at the front they are the ones who go front line take the big shit down then the clone troopers come in behind them because they are more powerful than the clone troopers they are you know more skilled they've got the lightsabers they've got the force that they, they can do more you know how many times have we seen in this series one jedi decimate a battalion or more of 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 uh, droid troops you know yeah it's uh, it's something which i'm sure comes up a, a little bit later at some point where um i can't remember whether it's in rebels but it it's a funny scene and he's just kind of, you know i'm sure it's rex in a in a future rebels episode and he's just kind of goes kind of forgotten about the 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 power of a jedi or he's just like anakin you know skywalker did it better or something like that uh, nice. not realizing the who 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 skywalker was at that point in in time um but yeah it's like you say it's it's rex who's always been the kind of uh, focal point of of the clone troopers um you know with good reason because he's interacted with kenobi he's interacted with skywalker ahsoka he has that connection with all of them we've got his crew, uh, you know, fives, um, and echo and people like that. They're part of his group, but he's always kind of been the, the, the guy in charge. So when he begins to question, why has this war started? Why is this war going on? And the ultimate question, as everybody is looking at the clone troopers as expendable, um, et cetera, et cetera. What happens to the clone troopers at the end of the war? Yeah. Something which, suddenly becomes apparent they're just churned out of the vats, yep. the clone vats or whatever, how, however, you know, they're, they're produced. They're just churned out. There's your training. There's your formal training. There's your weapon. Boom. You're out fighting. There's none of the scope of, okay, this is the identity of who you are. This is why it started. There's no understanding of how it began. They're just troopers. Yeah, and absolutely. Rex is one of these ones who begins to question the validity of what he's, you know, being asked to do all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I struggled with that aspect when they started int- when they based the episode. Uh, I probably mentioned it last the last episode when we covered it, but you know the, the the episode where we looked at the young, the young clone troopers, uh, that Bobber infiltrated. Yeah, that was last episode, wasn't it? Um, that you know, I, I, it was a very difficult moral dilemma then because now you've not only have you humanized the adult clone troopers. You, you've now shown me children mm-hmm. that I'm fully aware from watching this show are probably going to go out onto the battlefield and last about three minutes when they're yeah. old enough to do so. Yeah. And that is a real moral conundrum mm-hmm. because it's cannon fodder. You should treat them as cannon fodder, but you can't. And again, it's one of the things about this show that I like so much that it didn't take the very basic route I feel episode two did with it, which is, you know, they're nobody. They are cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I don't think we get names or anything in in, in the no, no no god no no they just episode three we don't in, you know there's no Rex, there's no echo to, no. there's no jesse there's no hard case fives no. whoever the, 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 there's no names no one has a name because they are numbers they are built to destroy they are built to fight that is what they're doing and that that i feel is the way the film takes it which 
in one respect makes it a lot easier to digest because you do just see them all as cannon fodder across the field so you don't have any concern when they die. But I'd much rather, as again, I think I said last time, I would much rather have it this way because this is the truth of the matter. That yes, of course, they they are real people because they are clones, but they're not, you know, and they're brainwashed to a degree, but obviously not enough that they can't have different personalities like any normal human would. Um. Anyway, so the next three episodes then, covered slave trading, which I was just yeah, going to mention again. In, it, uh, yeah. I only mention it in terms of theme. It's sure. the themes. Yeah, All yeah. these themes we're hitting. This isn't kids' show themes. The cost of war. The Did cost you know of death. how many people do you put into a fight and and are happy to lose before it becomes an unwinnable? You know, before you don't do it. Slave trading. Mm. I, uh, these are these are big things. This was actually originally part of um, a Star Wars Legends comic run uh, back in the late. 2000s i want to say like 2007 2008 or something uh and again just just having looked into various bits i was a bit curious about this one and i was like it, it seemed to go to some specific subject matter and i was a bit curious over it so i'd led and yeah it was actually based unlike a lot of the episodes this is actually based on you know an, an older comic book which uh you know one of the star wars legends comics which they didn't really do a great deal with the canon of that kind of stuff is 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 been and gone now they've kind mm. of scrubbed that from canon so to see it kind of being adapted was was actually quite intriguing yeah. um after that we get this whole bit yeah, of a nonsense you, see, you didn't like that you see i i did to start with i liked the idea of him going undercover mm-hmm. i like that i do think so yeah there's a series of four episodes where everyone is killed and then goes undercover um and there's only a few people that know. Anakin doesn't know because they use Anakin's reaction to sell to the wider world that Obi-Wan's dead. Um, and then he goes undercover because there's a plot to kill Chancellor Palpatine. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the bit where it gets to the, you know, the remake of Cube that I kind of go, because they, they go into the box. Yeah, And in the box, you will encounter various different situations that will try and kill you and only so many can survive. Yeah, I've seen that film. It's called yes, Cube. Cube. There were quite a few sequels and prequels and stuff like that as well. None yeah, of them the are as good one. as the first one. No, so no, you no, know no, what? No. If I want to watch Cube, I'll go yeah. and watch Cube. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, the further it went on, the more I feel it fell apart <laughs> with <laughs> the premise behind it. Because I just... Who was trying to kill the Emperor? If it's the Separatists... This is some yeah, of the stuff the, that I struggle yeah. with the whole way through this. Is yeah. Why the fuck would the Separatists do that? What do they possibly gain in the long run yeah. from this action? Yeah. I don't know that they gain anything. It's you know? uh, it's it's this kind of thing. You wonder at times whether it's it's misdirection by Palpatine, you know, setting up attempted assassinations against him, knowing that they're going to fail because of X, Y, and Z, but putting the suspicion that he is, you know, the Emperor... The guy controlling uh, the puppet master True. behind the scenes. But there You've never no seems idea. to be any suspicion of that, though. No one ever seems to suspect. No, again, this is because he's he's throwing these roadblocks in the way yeah. constantly. Uh, but it's like I said possible. last time as well. I worry how how for sensitivity. I thought I they picked this shit up, and again, that's where it starts to fall apart in this. When the more fucking Sith and Jedi he interacts with, and no one picks up that it's Obi Wan. Yeah. No one. 
Yeah. And like Dooku has some sort of an inkling when he arrives and it's like, so you know there's something not quite right, but you can't tell he's a Jedi. Again. So how far does it fucking go? He's not like he's across the other side of the galaxy no. to you. He's no. right in front of you. Surely yeah. the closer, the better you can read him. And we also know from episode two that uh, so, hang on, I'm trying to remember the order. Yoda trains Dooku, Dooku trained Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon trained Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan yes. trained Anakin. Yes. So, and they have that conversation, he's like, oh, I wish Qui-Gon was hit even episode one starts. And he's like, hang on a minute, so you, you've got this history, you understand X, Y, and Z, and that was it. It was like the, the Dooku that was in episode two, they just kind of went, mm-hmm. No, let's forget about that kind of side of it. Mm-hmm. Killed him off very quickly in three, and then just wrote a very different version for the Clone Wars TV series. Yeah, yeah, that's how I foresaw it anyway. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, 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 the, the bit that confuses me about Dooku is why, why is he Count Dooku and Lord Tyrannus? Now, I, I understand that Lord Tyrannus is the Sith apprentice to uh, Palpatine, uh, Darth Sidious. I get that. That's how it works. That's why he's called Lord Tyrannus because that's his Sith name. But why is he playing two different characters to two different bunches of people? Because again, the Geno- uh, Kaminoans, not Genotians, the Kaminoans who make the clone troopers know him as Lord Tyrannus, yet somehow think he's a Jedi or he's speaking on behalf of the Jedi because the Jedis are the ones who put the orders in for the clone troopers. So Count Dooku's the baddie, but Lord Tyrannus is the goodie? I don't fucking that know. That plot hole never got explained. No, exactly. And to be fair, never as we go explained. through, you can see that they've just gone, right, you know what? Let's sort this bit out. Because yeah. I'm fed up of this bit, so we're going to explain this bit. And I, I all credit to them, but I don't think it works sometimes. Yeah. Um, but then we get to the much more enjoyable side of, of, of the series, which kicks off one of the most intriguing stories that the Clone Wars put together, which was mm-hmm. basically the the reintroduction of Darth Maul. Now we yeah. did this, uh, you know, with Savage Press um, introducing him and things like that. So at this point, we've now got uh, Asajj Ventress, uh, who's basically not really doing all that well in in what she's trying to achieve, which is killing Dooku, uh, taking control of the Savage Press, and kind of getting a revenge, and it pretty much fails. So Dooku sends Grievous uh, to, to basically eliminate her and the entire Night Sister clan. So, yeah, it, it gets to a bit of a head. Um, the, you know, is it, uh, I think it's Mother Talzin awakens a, a shitload of the undead, like ghosts, uh, to, to kind of attack the droids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's pretty crazy so but again it's it's basically the droids just winning they they yeah. massacre the crap out of everybody um and while Talzin escapes and uh and and that it's it it's not good it it's not a good place um so the Sarge Ventress goes off and joins a, a team of of bounty hunters who do yeah, we, she who finds do the, the, the bobbers crew doesn't she yeah yeah um so she goes Bosk off and does that. Sing an embo i think yeah, uh, or has Embo left at that point? I can't remember. Yeah, um, so uh, so that kind of goes on, and she basically joins up with them for the moment. Um, that doesn't really do a great deal, but again, she's the stronger one of this little group because you know she's still strong with the Force. So she kind of 
puts a bit of a closure on what's happened in the past and she acknowledges the strength that she still has and, and, and whatnot and moves on. But it's the next bit which gets much more interesting, which is uh, Savage Press uh, lands on a junk planet in the Outer Rim uh, looking for his brother mm-hmm. and yes. finds him. And it's just the the way that you, you are introducing him. <laughs> so we've now got a Darth Maul who is absolutely bonkers. He's gone absolutely insane. Um, he's also sporting a kind of half robot body because obviously he got chopped in. Yeah, he looks like a spider. Yeah. They've given him uh, like a spider body for the lower half, haven't they? Yeah, and I, I mean he's quite interesting. He's he's not, this isn't a short space of time. He's been there for 10 years. He yeah, exactly. is absolutely bonkers at this point. Um but he he's introduced to his brother. So, you know, that's that's a massive plus for him. So this takes us on to the the idea that he basically wants to get revenge, which is you know he's he's just obsessed, and he, he continues to be obsessed with Obi Wan at this point. Um, but you know, your thoughts on on these final few? Uh, yeah, I thought they were really good. Yeah, obviously that's what we were. I was right in the process of watching, uh, or I was right before this series of four episodes um, when we we recorded the last one. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I like Asajj. I like the character development they give her. Um, again, as I said last time, she was randomly introduced in Tartakovsky's version, wasn't given a name, and they picked her up and, and fleshed her out properly for this. And even, you know, I, I assume the whole Night Sisters didn't exist before Asajj. I don't know. Um, I'm sure someone will tell me they were in a book somewhere that was written sometime. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was very good. And like you say, it starts then Maul and Savage being players. In the field, obviously, we know who the voice of Savage Press is, which is something I should have mentioned last time. Lancy Tell Rao. me you know who the voice of Savage Press is. It's Lancy Brown. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so, yes, that's lovely. i tell you another one I meant to mention last time. Um, there is an episode in season two, and I, I noticed I'd got a note for it, and I forgot to say last time because uh, I wanted to pick it up because we both know. There's an episode in season two where they go to a planet and there's a village and they don't want to fight. Uh, Felucia. There's four bounty hunters protecting local farmers from pirates intent on stealing their crops. The head of the uh, village that they land in is voiced by Uncle Iroh. Oh, okay. Second he opened his mouth, I was like, that's Iroh. I can't remember the actor's name. I apologize. I should have written it down. But No, um, that's fine. That's, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd seen Uncle him Iroh, in a love it. of things. Because the other I one... Not... Carry on. on. Uh, I was going to say, the only other the, the other voice that I've, I, I was going to mention, and this is what's just reminded me, because I've seen the note on the next page, is Hondo. Mm-hmm. All the way through this, whenever we see the, the pirate leader, Hondo, who I love, I think, again, he's an amazing bit part character that just mm-hmm. keeps popping up. Good, bad, doesn't matter. He's on one side or the other. You know, he, he doesn't yep. care. It's whatever's going to make him the most money at the end of the day or whatever's going to yep. keep him alive. That's the side he'll go with. Um, voiced by Jim Cummings, who voices pretty much everything ever on Disney. He's the voice of like Winnie the Pooh, of Tigger. He's the voice of Pete from the Mickey Mouse stuff. Uh, the, you know, the baddie in Mickey Mouse. He, Do he does so many voices. You want voices. to know a little bit of good news as well, then. What? He also appears in Rebels. 
Oh, Jim Cummings or Hondo? Hondo. Nice. Oh, cool. Cool. I will get so, there to that point, but after no, 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 that's fine. It's, like I, I say, a break it's from those from those particular characters that you suddenly kind of see as as bit parts, and you kind of go, oh, and they pop up. There's a few characters that pop up in Rebels, and he is one of those. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, into season five. The first stuff really for me is the. Um, I mean, we uh, it starts with uh, Savage and yeah, Maul kind of closing out the, their the story. story yeah. Of course, being being Star Wars, someone gets their arm cut off because sure. you know you have to. Um, now, here's the thing: I don't know whether is it always the left or the right because I'm pretty sure it's the left. But I'm trying to remember which one Luke has cut off. Is it the left or right? Because I'm sure it's I all. I think it's Luke's the... right arm. It's right arm. Okay, in which case, I think it's... The no, spirit, is it it's his left, left arm? Because I don't. I think it is no, the it left. It might be no. left, actually. It might be it, left. I think it's left. It could be left. Because I'm sure it seemed like a bit of a joke because I was like, I'm what, sure it probably it is left because the notes there. here say that uh, Obi-Wan fights Savage and Maul and cuts off Savage's left arm. Okay, it's going to be so the left arm. probably is left arm yeah, for everything, left. isn't it? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, yeah, but the first stuff for me is is episodes two, three, four, and five. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know this shit was here. Now, uh, okay, everyone. I know I'm the one who sits here saying, well, I shouldn't need to have to watch all this extended universe shite to understand the films you're putting out. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I don't. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know this shit existed, yet I've seen Rogue One, and I mm-hmm. love Rogue One. I think it's yep. an incredible Star Wars film. I adore it. Yet, I did not realise that Saw Gerrera and the Rebel, the basically the Rebellion, began here then, did it? Mm-hmm. This is it. It's, it's a very. I kind of uh, half wish yeah. they'd left his sister alive instead of him, but yeah, fair enough. It, it just, is one I, of those. You know, it would have been yeah. nicer to have another female character in Rogue One in a position of power, but you know, I, at least you use a, a, a you know an ethnic character in the first place, I suppose. So at least it got uh, some sort of diversity tick there. But um, yeah, I uh, fantastic, great, great series of episodes. Those four episodes. So I didn't know anything about it. It's really interesting, uh, setting up the the rebellion and stuff, and obviously leaves it in a very interesting position that I assume then is forms the genesis for Rebels, the series that comes afterwards. Oddly enough, yes, Saul Guerrero does appear in Rebels, and there are some very, very interesting uh, developments within that. Again, links to this uh, series and also to Rogue One as well. So it's kind of that overarching thing, but there's some really cool moments in it. I don't believe that um, Forrest Whitaker voiced it in this, but I'm fairly certain that he does in Rebels. Oh, really? So oh, that's, an... the, that's the only thing I did want to say. I wish they'd have got Pete Serafinowicz back to do more. Like, he doesn't charge that much, does he? Surely they could have got him back to do the voice of Maul. Uh, so it's Sam Witwer, Witwer or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I know it's not Peter Serafinowicz, but I just no. wish they'd have got Peter Serafinowicz back. No, I, I, I get you. Didn't, um, even, didn't even Serafinowicz voice it in Solo when he pops up at the end of Solo? No. The same guy from... Oh, it's Witwer, is it still? Yeah. Okay, it's fair Whitmer. enough. Fair it's enough. Maybe he decided... Yeah, Ray Park did the whole facial well, Ray side Park of was, it, but yeah. Yeah, Ray Park's the character, yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. was the voice, wasn't he, Serafinowicz? Um... Uh, but this, yes. see, for me, it's uh, f- from this one, it's it's the uh, one from episode six uh, for a little while where Ahsoka and Yoda 
take uh, the younglings into uh, the the cave to kind of perform their Jedi rite, where they yeah. each have to go and you know battle an internal fear or um, flaw of themselves in order to retrieve their kyber crystal so that they can build the the, the lightsaber. And again, this was one of those episodes where it was the law of how do these Jedi get these these kyber crystals? Yeah. Where did they come from? Why do they, you know, construct a lightsaber, etc.? Why are their lightsabers ever so different? And this is it. It's the uniqueness of each individual person that determines how they get their crystal and, and whatnot. So this was really good. Again, you know, it's funny because you look at this and the next few episodes where it is them with the younglings and the younglings kind of succeeding and, you know, achieving a little bit more than, than they should do because they're younglings. But it's sad because you kind of go, ah, but Anakin pretty much wipes them all out in, in fucking Revenge of the Sith. You know, um, obviously some of them escape. Kane and Dune, as uh, we learn as, uh, um, sorry, not Kane and, uh, Christ, I'm trying to remember his name. He's Kane and Jarrus and it's, Something doom. Damn it, that's going to annoy me. I'll I'll have to come back. Oh, to sorry, you've lost me. Right. I know I know. Kane Kane and Jarrus is. But... Kane and Jarrus is. Uh, yeah, but he's Caleb uh, Caleb Doom. I think it is. Is Kane and Jarrus's real name, but he obviously changes it so that he can hide. Oh, so, but that that's something we'll get to in Rebels. Um, but, uh, yeah. So again, we get the uh, we get also get uh, the uh, the the reappearance of of your friend Hondo as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's a good one. I, I like those series. Um, we then, this is this is another thing, you know, we've touched on it already once this episode, but we then get a four-part episode dedicated to a team of droids called D-Squad, mm-hmm. led by a really, really small Jedi. Now, like for two episodes, I was on board. I was all right with it. I thought, yeah, this is pretty funny. They're all going to use their, you know, it starts, it's that story of, they you know they're rubbish they can't work together but they're going to you know team up as they go along and they're going to fight through and well all of that sort of happens by the end of the second episode everyone's had their moment to shine all of the little droids and we've had our little funny moments and it's we've had our little palate cleanse mm-hmm. but then it goes on for like two more episodes and i just the longer it went on the more i was going but i i just don't care i just don't care because at the end of the day, their droids are droids, and you can only give them so much character. And I don't know whether they've ever managed to give any of them more character than R2 or BB. Mm-hmm. Like, you you think about how much character a robot like Wally and Eve have mm-hmm. from that film. I don't think you get anywhere near that from some of these droids. And it's not because they can't emote, because... Eve can't emote really. She's not got much to her. Wally, but you you find ways around it, don't you? You use parts of the parts of the mechanical structure to make human expressions or something to to give us something. I just don't feel they ever achieve it, which is why then I only care about R two. And again, the problem you have with some of this is there's no peril with R two. If R two is the only one I care about, I don't need to worry about him because I know he lives. I know he survives because I know he features in episode three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There like, is no sense of probably not going to go through some sh- some some shit there. No, uh, um, no. As you say, these these were very much throwaway episodes. Um, that's that's the thing I think w- was the problem at times with this series. It catered to multiple storylines and multiple kind of 
uh, demographics that it was trying to yeah. appease to. Uh, this was yeah, just yeah. I mean, that is a four-part kids, kids episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, like I say, I get that you need a palate cleanser and stuff, but I don't think you need a palate cleanser quite that long. I think a one or two part would have been sufficient there. Mm-hmm. But then that leads us into uh, some of the best episodes, I think, of of the Clone Wars itself, uh, which is Darth Maul and Savage Press basically joining up with uh, the Mandalorian terrorist group Death Watch yeah. um, and various other syndicates. Um, and basically it's, it's you know, joining these factions together um, to, to conquer Mandalore and, uh, and basically take power. Um, you know, they, they know that everything is going on with Palpatine and that the system, you know, the system is pretty much split in two, the, you know, the, the separatists and uh, the Republic and, they figure let's carve out our little niche in between. Mm. Um, but again, it gives that great interplay between the two brothers. Maul just being the absolutely bonkers, crazy bastard that he is, purposefully trying to get under Obi-Wan's skin uh, by capturing Mandalore and um, Satine, who we yeah. know, as as we discussed in the previous one, for Obi-Wan to build a romantic connection with anybody was, was very much unsuspected. And the fact that Maul finds this out and then uses that to bait him is even better mm. because he just upright murders him. Uh, mur- uh, sorry, murders her. And it, you kind of, you'd expect nothing less mm. from Maul at this point. Um, and, yeah, it's it's just the the stuff that carries on. They basically trigger a civil war, uh, you know, Mandalore by putting themselves, the, the you know, the, the the Death Watch against the the rest of the citizens who aren't exactly down with this plan. Um, it's you know, it's very intriguing, but it also brings the attention of Sidious, who's kind of at this point done with with Maul's nonsense, and so decides to basically take him on, um, and. Just, just cuts down fucking Savage Press, which is really funny because I was hoping that Savage would have been a bit more of a, a, a bigger playing character, but mm-hmm. he is just brute strength against a couple of Jedi. Sure, he he could take him down with brute strength because you know that that's just not. But against the 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 Lord of the Sith, he just gets mauled in seconds. Mm-hmm. No no pun intended there. <laughs> um and and then maul gets taken prisoner the one thing that he really didn't want to happen to to be under Sidious's thumb again essentially um and he's not going to kill him he's going to take him prisoner because he's got something sinister in mind as he kind of puts it um but again it's just this whole build like a, a few episodes of of the oppressed brother i don't even know whether they're so, savage oppressed would it be more oppress i don't know no uh... Well, yeah, because we don't know Maul's... Yeah, we know his name's Savage Opress, and we know that the other guy is called Maul. He never calls himself anything other, does he? And obviously Darth isn't his first name. Okay, the brothers. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. Um, Yeah, so like I say, it's just interesting because, again, it takes us back to sections of of Obi-Wan falling in love and then having that love shattered. And who is it by? 
by Darth Maul, his you know his nemesis, so to speak. Mm. So that he was just very interesting, and again, Sidious kind of getting bored. He knew most of what was going on behind the scenes, and just kind of go, you know what, I'm bored of this game now. I'm just going to take the brothers out. Um, you know, I don't want them to be a factor anymore, which is just intriguing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Your thoughts um, on the last few of, of of that? Well, the last few, yes. Uh, I, yeah. I, those survived. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've just read the end of that third part of that storyline, and I'd forgotten the press died. I'd forgotten he yeah. killed a press. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, I may have fallen asleep towards the end of that episode. Or something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I haven't. The thing is, I haven't highlighted them, and if I haven't highlighted them on the sheet, sure. there weren't ones I was going to talk about. Um. So the next ones for me are the final four episodes that lead up to the end of the season. Yes. That's the stuff that gets me. So Ahsoka gets framed, essentially, for a crime, a terrorist bombing at the Jedi Temple. And no, sorry, she gets blamed for the murder of the key suspect in the bombing. Mm -hmm. And Admiral Tarkin detains her. And she has to escape and go and try and prove herself uh, innocent um, by going into the the underworld of Coruscant. Um, she meets Asajj on the way, and Asajj helps her to try and find out what's going on. But in the process of all this, she is, very, at the very beginning, expelled from the Jedi Order. The Jedi don't back her. They they believe she's guilty. They, they, they kick her out, essentially. Um, which is <laughs> ridiculously harsh. But this is um, uh, again. It's the development of Ahsoka's character is quite. This this is one of the pivotal moments for her character moving forward for all future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. With Jedi and and like you say, it's uh, it's the fact that so many of them just don't believe uh, Ahsoka's version of this. That 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 you know that she's innocent. The only people that seem to do so is Anakin and Padme. Everybody else just dismisses it, uh, which is, and th- this is where her disillusionment with the Jedi comes to, to yeah, absolutely. even more prominence. She yeah. you, again, you you've seen it throughout the, the the series so far. You've seen that she's not exactly agreed with the way that the Jedi are doing certain things. Uh, yeah, she was a bit reckless to start with. She becomes more cautious as time moves on. To the point where she begins to question the motives of the Jedi Council and some of the decisions that she makes. Uh, sorry, that they make and, and that she has to be a part of. Um, and Anakin is oh, yeah. questioning at the same time as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, again, this is again this is another step for him yeah, moving absolutely. towards the dark side. As as much as you know, you'd look at this and go, yeah, it, really? it doesn't it just is. disillusion Ahsoka. Oh, it, it, it cements his own growing disillusionment with the Jedi Order. Um, and yeah, it turns out fucking by herself, off he's the baddie. Yeah, she was the one behind it all. I did not see that shit coming, not yeah. at all. Because they've done again, such a good job of introducing her yeah. as a very, you know, she was a soaker. She was a Padawan. She was uh, a hungry to learn Padawan. Last the, the time we saw, they her. had the fact that they had that episode or a few episodes a couple of seasons back where they bonded and yeah. Well, that's what like I mean. Yeah, so I had no reason to suspect yeah, exactly. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I finished watching this episode, and my first note was Ahsoka leaves. Really? Um, oh, are we sure, guys? Is mm-hmm. this really what we want to do? Because 
she's kind of the key to the whole thing for me. I was very, very concerned. You know, that, that my favorite episodes generally or episode, there are more, maybe they don't always come out on top, but I'm fairly sure that most of the episodes I've picked out so far feature Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And in some way, shape or form, even if they're not centrally based around her, I like her character being there because she yep. brings a different perspective to things. That As I, I say, don't. I genuinely feel that she is my favourite character within the Star Wars universe because she, you meet her at such a young age, you see her transition uh, so predominantly throughout the series that good stuff and bad stuff, this is you know the, the, the combination of the bad stuff happening to her. But again, it's it's how uh, how she deals with this from then on that becomes very important to her character development, which I love. Um, but yeah, so like you say, she is expelled from the Jedi Order, and while she is eventually found not guilty, you know, she's cleared of the charges because uh, you know Anakin manages to find out that it's Barriss Offee. Um, she doesn't she doesn't go to return to the Jedi Order. She's been expelled by them. She doesn't feel it's right that she just rejoins them because she didn't believe you know oh sorry, they didn't believe her in the first place. Why should she rejoin this order? And it's completely understandable. Yeah, yeah, point. I totally yeah. understand her. It, it, her, it's, her she's looking around at the Jedi and going, Should I even should I even be a Jedi? You know, yeah, I'm force sensitive, but what you do and what you believe is not the same as me. So that was... this is where I wonder how much they knew of how much they'd got left. Maybe, you know, part of me thinks if you're doing seven seasons, don't write her out in season five, you write her out in the last episode of season seven so that she's gone, but she's a great character. So you keep her in, but obviously they wrote her out at the end of season five. Did they not know they were going to get a season six? I don't know. Cause obviously yeah. I'm aware it jumped around. It looks like season six was actually on Netflix, which I didn't realize. I thought, it had sort of gone to season six and then season seven was the bonus that everyone wanted. I didn't realize it had moved platforms yeah, or would sort yeah. of dropped and picked up and stuff as it went along. Yeah. I think this is just a, a point where a number of series were kind of falling off of like cartoon network and things like that. They've been picked up by, by Netflix and things like that. And at this point, yeah, the, the viewership on Netflix was just ramping up. So yeah, sure. Netflix will back another season because you know, it's viewership for them. Um, which brings us again, the beginning of this to some very, very and, interesting development. Yeah, these first four episodes, again, I didn't know we were going to go anywhere near this shit. Mm-hmm. I also don't think I knew that this, I don't think I knew that this is why. Yeah. And this is how it's carried out. So yeah. essentially we, we get a hint at order 66. Yeah. Uh, the clone trooper top suffers a disorder that causes him to kill a Jedi master. He's suddenly saying kill the jedi kill the jedi um they send him to camino for examination but the kaminoans don't really want to do it because they know what is going on and it turns out that every you know through the course of this you've got um anakin captain rex and fives all trying to figure out what's going on and they discover that every single clone has an inhibitor chip inside them and tops had malfunctioned uh, essentially gone off early and caused him to kill the Jedi because these inhibitor chips are for when they want to enact Order 66 or Protocol 66 as it's called at this stage Um, I didn't know we were going to look at that and that was mm-hmm. fascinating Um, obviously again it's you know this is, 
none of these episodes feature Ahsoka. It is all pretty, you know, they barely feature any of the others, to be honest. It's mostly about the clone troopers. Yeah, Rex, this is very much the clone fives, series, yeah. Uh, you know, and Top's sort of still in the background for a bit of it. But yeah, and obviously the worst thing is it then leads to Fives, because Fives tries to speak to the Chancellor about it, who, of course, knows what the hell is going on anyway. <laughs> so he 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 gets killed and i just fives no yeah you're killing um, all my favorite clone Chirupan. this is this is it it was this point where you suddenly uh, suddenly kind of go okay so they found this chip and then they go in and they're like oh hang on there's a secret code and it's it's the fact that again it shows the true characters that the clones are that they're not what their inhibitor chips are that they are individual and that they have built relationships and built uh, friendships with the Jedi and that they don't, you know, they're, they're freaking out about the idea that, yeah, uh, you know, a code's going to be turned on inside us and we're going to be turned into killers. They don't want that. And that shows that they're not just robots, that they're not just churning out clone after clone after clone who doesn't think for itself. Hmm. Fives is a prime example that they do. And to lose him is very, very important at this point. Yeah. Uh, because again, that reference point about fives comes up in the last series as we will discuss when we get there mm. um uh and then i'm not so keen on the clovis stuff i yeah i could take it or leave it the only note i've got is that episode five where he's being chased by embo embo's cool as fuck embo is damn fucking cool there's a, a an escape sequence where embo's chasing them and he's snowboarding on his hat it's just he's so cool. Embo is awesome. I love Embo. Now, this bit the only thing I would say to this crap that we go through with Clovis is this the one where he ends up in controls of the control of the banks? Is, uh well is this I the mean one that leads he... to where he's in control of the banks, or is that series seven? Uh, no, I think it's uh, so. I mean, basically, this kind of instigates a number of things. Yeah, it is it's this one, uh, isn't it? Because essentially, we end up. This is another. It, it solved another thing for me that made no sense. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of points. Again, if you just think about the movies, it's like, how did the emperor? Uh, or how did Chancellor Palpatine end up in control of everything? Able to just go, we're going to form the first galactic empire run by me. And this fills in loads of little gaps where you see key systems and key functions of the Republic getting control of which getting handed. Oh, Christ, that's a really bad sentence. I'm sorry, guys. Um, You see Palpatine getting given all the power he needs to be able to do it at different points from all these key institutions that are part of the Republic. And they end up going out of Senate control and into the Chancellor's control. And the Clovis thing leads to the bank's ending up being controlled by the Chancellor. Mm -hmm. And throughout the whole thing with the Clovis episode and stuff, I was like, why? Why are they doing this? Because on the one side, the Separatists are wanting to put Clovis in a position of power in charge of the banks so that they can get money from the banks and not pay interest. That's the key. And they want to increase the interest payments to the Republic's loans to make up for that so that the banks aren't losing any money and essentially you the republic money burns out but all the way along presumably then the chancellor's goal is to keep the republic alive and functioning so that at some point he can just flick the switch on it and turn it into the empire 
Mm-hmm. He is not going to be able to do that if the separatists win. So I never understand why. I mean, I get why he would back the separatists because he's essentially the leader of the separatists. But for his plan to work, he needs the Republic to quote unquote win or at least be a functional unit by the time he's ready to do Order 66 and switch it and turn it into the Empire. And there's so many times where shit doesn't make sense like that as to why, like his motivations. That Mm -hmm. just isn't the best way of going about it to get the desired outcome. You should be doing it that way, or you should have just done that. Or fuck it, there are scenarios where you just think, why did you get involved? If you'd have left them alone in that scenario, they'd have given you exactly what you wanted. I don't understand. But at least I appreciate that the show tries to fill in the gaps that Lucas left for us of actually explaining how political structures end up going from a democratic to a dictator situation. You know, if hopefully that makes sense to everyone, Um, you know, not being voted (laughs) on by a Senate, but by a single man, you know, how, how that happens, how we end up at that point. The problem is that sometimes I don't care because, again, it puts me in that fucking Senate room with all those stupid circular hovering bollocks. And I am so over that shit because of mm. the the prequel films, basically. Yeah, 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 Whenever yeah, yeah. we went into that fucking Senate room, I turned off. So I was like, I don't care. It's going to be about the Trade Federation and blockades yeah. and blah, blah, I blah, 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 blah. no confidence against the Chancellor. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god, you're yeah, boring. I've had enough. Boring, life. and Not again, boring. it doesn't help. Obviously, the films make it worse because we know that none of that shit was real. People were just stood against green squares and didn't have any concept of what they were actually looking at or acting against. Because you know that's Lucas. Why use a real place when I can just CG it? Because then I can put as many banter in the foreground, interrupting the shot as I want. Um. So yes. That did not go well. We then got episodes nine, eight, and nine, which damn near killed me off. Which is Jar Jar again. Two episodes dedicated to Jar Jar, not just Jar Jar. Skip it. Hang on, we're dedicating it to a Jar Jar love story. Yeah, that's the worst bit. And again, this is no. Shut up. This is the point (laughs) that I said earlier that I came back to. I went into this episode open-minded. I didn't go into, this is the first Jar Jar episode I went into that was like, okay, yep, let's see where this goes. And oh, here we are. He's the same fucking bumbling idiot, clumsy character that he's been all the way along. So all the progression you made actually means fucking nothing now. You've just regressed him back to a twat that I don't like. Brilliant. And I I was really disappointed with that. Uh, what do we get after that? What we got? I've got some stuff yeah, the here. Story oh, of it's Yoda. Yes. Yoda, isn't it? Well, we, we get it before, yes. Yeah, we get this Cypher DS. As you were saying about uh, Dive Tyrannus and stuff like that, mm. this is the, this is that one where you kind of go, who the fuck was this Cypher DS and, and all this kind of stuff? Well, yeah, because this uh, is the other thing. Yeah. We we know from the films that Cypher DS, like episode two, it's discussed that Cypher DS ordered them. Cypher mm. DS has been dead for a long time. We learn that the Kaminoans have actually been talking to a Lord Tyrannus who told them to make them. Yeah. And the Jedi don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, this run of, of episodes I thought was really interesting. Because, mm. yeah, it leads from that Cypher D aspect, then leads into um, Yoda and Yoda going on his little quest because yeah. uh, he's hearing the voice of Qui Gon Jinn. And this is something that confused me. So, at this stage in the mythos, 
around so between episode two and three are we saying that force projections force ghosts as we may call them nowadays mm. didn't exist i think they, always they were thought to be impossible the thing i got it from this though is that the point was it's impossible for you to communicate from be- with the living from beyond the grave mm. however we know that that isn't true we know well, I mean, I thought it was everyone, but maybe it isn't. Well, everyone who was Force ended up being able to project as a Force ghost, even the baddies, because we see Darth Vader Force projected at the uh, end of episode six. But but we have also seen a Han Solo Force ghost, which is just complete, uh, well, complete well, and utter have bullshit. We, apparently, it isn't a Force ghost. What is it, a memory? It's it's a mental projection of... Uh, it's It's Kylo <laughs> mentally projecting him. That's why it works. Apparently, it's not a force ghost. For, for those of you who can't see me, I've literally got my head in my hands. Yeah, he is. The, the, the eye roll there was very, oh. very audible. Yeah, I know, mate. I know it's bullshit, isn't it? Because you you don't make that fucking clear. I mean, it, part of me it makes sense, I suppose. If you think about episode nine, when you see Luke as a force ghost, he looks like a force ghost. He's all funny, and you know, he's all glowy, and he's got the ether coming off him or whatever. When you see Han Solo talking to Kylo, he doesn't. He is just Han Solo. So I, I get it, and we know that, yeah, Kylo's going through a difficult time at that point and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, apparently it isn't. So, Crunch anyway, shit. but then I'm really confused because I thought this was about Yoda learning how to how, how to become a Force ghost, essentially, after mm. death so that he could continue to be around or whatever so that he could commune with people. Um the problem is that obviously they discover in the first part of this, as you say, where they're looking into Cypher Dias, mm. they discover the incredibly important information that they need. But then the series has to hide it again. Yep. Because we can't know that going into episode three. Otherwise, episode three wouldn't have turned out that way if we knew this information. <laughs> yeah, it's the problem with a prequel, isn't it? Where yeah. you're not only doing a prequel film, you're doing a prequel series. It's also, you know, when we get to the end, there are parts of this that I. It's just the same. There's no flow to some of it. There doesn't seem like there's an overarching flow that we're moving from day one to day X of the war, that we're moving through it in a fashion. Anytime you see a clone battle, it could be any planet. It could be anywhere in the galaxy. It could be any time frame. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter because they've just got to conf- you know, they can only tell the same story over and over. They can't tell the story of how the Clone Wars was won or how the Clone Wars ended because that's told in the film. So they can't tell that story. They have to go before that point. It just, it it makes it a little bit annoying at times. And I just wish these people, you know, Dave Filoni and his team behind him had been the ones who were allowed. (laughs) Like, I wish they'd just retconned episode three for us. But this is the thing. Because it would have been a much better way of doing it. But you know, the 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 (laughs) way that they develop the TV series for this, and then you suddenly look at the films that we had, and yeah, we've we've talked about there's potential links eventually and and all this kind of stuff. But you do wonder at times, like guys, like did you why did you not confer with these guys? Because they know so much fucking more of the history and what plot points would work, and you could link it back to... They didn't. They just created a load of mess, and yeah, we're, yeah. we're treading ground. I'm not going that again. Not like... doing that again. We're, yeah, we, we've discussed... There's, a, there's like a two-hour-long podcast. If you want to know our feelings on the, the sequel trilogy, 
a clone trooper with his own personality. Mm-hmm. And he is nothing like some of these guys, but he's also nothing like Echo, who is just another clone trooper with a thing. You know, he's nothing like Fives, who's a clone trooper who just doesn't... It, it, it makes it so interesting. Um, it, it just broadens the mythos on everything, really. Um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, as they go through the story and they find Echo and uh, they they manage to get him back on side and then they use Echo to actually knock out the, what is it, the Techno Union or something who've kidnapped him. Um, and they use Echo against them in the end uh, to, to take them down. Um, and then Echo at the end joins the Bad Batch, which is cracking. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm not going to get to see any more of them, am I, Fluff? Or am I? Or are you? Yes. So this was actually just one of these funny things. We were going to try and record this the other day, but uh, due to work commitments and it going absolutely bonkers, we had to delay. Which actually is fortuitous because quite simply that evening, I read online that they have announced that The Bad Batch is now being picked up as a separate sequel series to Clone Wars, which will be set during the the post, uh, you know, Post Clone Wars period, three, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Post Episode Three, um, which is very, very intriguing because the, yep. the, I think the initial reaction to the Bad Batch was very, very positive. You had a group of clones who are very different. You had a strategist. You had a muscle man, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you know the kind of superheroes of well, yeah. The you essentially had what would it be? Deadshot, Mister Terrific, someone like the Hulk. And Cap, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think you could probably say that the leader yeah. type, essentially, yeah. isn't it? That that standard leader trope. Um, yeah, yeah. Like you say, uh, but yeah, they're they're fantastic. I really like them. They add uh, such a different. You yeah. know, they're new. They're interesting. They're funny. They the play fact- off. They've they've written really good banter between yeah. all of them, so they feel like a, a, a unit that's been together for ages mm-hmm. and. For some reason, we just haven't seen them yet. Yeah, the fact that's that the other they thing. Are... I, I refuse to believe that out of all the fucking missions we've seen so far, you haven't had to call in the Bad Batch yet to help you out. Uh, the fact that they are called the Bad Batch and they they kind of take that as a pride, yeah, uh, you know, pr- prideful thing. Not not with a Bad Batch, you know, who wants the Bad Batch? No, no, no. They're like, yeah, well, yeah, we're, we're a bit different, but guess what? We we get our shit done. Um, yeah, these episodes are, are wonderful because again, it. Uh, it shows Rex the connection that he has with, uh, you know, his his troopers and stuff like that. Again, showing, as we've reiterated time and time again throughout this, uh, that the, these clone troopers aren't just clones of one another. They are individual. Uh, the Rex who finally gets Echo out of that thing and... It's the reaction that he has, like he can't believe that one of his best friends who he thought was dead isn't dead and that he yeah. can save him. And he gives him permission at the end of like the, the fourth episode to kind of says, you know, he's looking over at the Bad Batch and he, he kind of looks at Echo and he looks at himself and he's like, "This, you don't belong with me anymore. You, if you feel you belong with them, you go with them. And yeah, he absolutely. doesn't bear any ill will. In fact, it's kind of like he's he's happy that... This guy is is moving on with a group of indivi- group of like minded individuals that aren't your traditional clone trooper, uh, and that kind of makes Rex happy because he doesn't have to worry about Echo anymore because he knows that he's going to be looked after by these guys. Absolutely, yeah. And then essentially, I know the last four are done as a four parter, but they they 
basically everything from now on then leads one to the next to the next to the next doesn't yeah, it which is much. why i struggled so much because when i i was watching it i was watching it i was like oh no just one more episode because it it flows so well and then i got to it it said like part one i was like oh shit so now you think you're starting a four-parter and i've just watched four i oh, know i need to go to bed so i i kept trying to stop it but here is ahsoka i get mm. to find out ahsoka now the first four parts of this the whole thing with the martez sisters and all that <laughs> I'm not so bothered about that. I like the Ahsoka side of it, but everything yeah. else, you've, how many times have we seen that? Yeah. The sister makes friends with a new person. The yeah. older sister doesn't like the new person. Yeah. The older sister's a bit dodgy and getting her younger sister into trouble that she shouldn't be getting into, but the younger sister still looks up to her. The newbie obviously sees that dynamic going on, tries to point it out to the younger one to protect her, and the older one gets annoyed. I, you, I've seen that. Yeah, ad infinitum over and over and over again and it, they didn't do anything to make it new or interesting not to say that i wasn't going with the episodes because i was but it, i didn't really care about the martez sisters because i thought as soon as you've gotten ahsoka through this bit of story yeah you're done i'm not yeah, gonna yeah, see no, you again no, you're, you're never going to be referenced and i'm yeah. never going to need to worry about you again and it, um, that was unfortunate for them it felt very much that these were the episodes to uh, distinguish Ahsoka the individual from Ahsoka the Jedi. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't um, seen Ahsoka. If you're going to tell, if you're going to round off Ahsoka's Jedi story, you know, or Clone Wars story, which they do in the final four parts, that's what it's about. It's Ahsoka bringing her story to some sort of proper conclusion, which I'm all for. I think it's brilliant. But yeah, like you say, you, I guess we needed some episodes to establish what she was doing between leaving and getting wrapped up in the clone wars again where was she what what was she up to so yeah i get that we needed a few episodes to sort of set that scene put her on her path back to you know getting involved in things again if she has to yeah so um Again, we, we get the little things where she's been hiding the fact that she was a Jedi from the sisters intentionally because she didn't their their perception of what the Jedi are. They're, you know, wouldn't say the underworld, but they're the the, the lower belly of uh, of Coruscant. So they they don't look too kindly on the Jedi, but when they kind of find out that she is one, um they're a little bit affronted by the fact that she's kind of hidden it, but they reconcile and, and she it's all good because at the end of the day it wasn't the fact that she was a Jedi. It was the fact that she did everything for them. It was like, yeah, you're a Jedi. So what? You, you, you've got Force sensitive. So what? And which is, again, the emphasis, I think, at this point about Ahsoka, that she's not a Jedi. She she was a Jedi. She's no longer a Jedi. She's no. still Force sensitive. And this is kind of the underlying thing. She still has her morals and she still has uh, the, the justification for what she wants to do, which yeah. leads her to go to Mandalore um, and meet up with uh, Bo-Katan. Now, here is a funny thing that you may or may not know. Yep. Bo-Katan is uh, voiced by uh, the same person who did, was it Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica? Uh, I don't know. I've never seen that. Okay. um, Now, I'm absolutely terrible. The camera work in Battlestar always, I couldn't handle it. It was the okay, 24 I'm, I'm to, camera work. There were so many people. Uh, Katie, uh, Katie Sackoff. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know her character's name, but yeah, of course yeah. I know Katie Sackoff. And yes, she yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, I'm aware of that. Yeah. She was, so, a, was, uh, was she a Cylon, I want to say? 
No, she was one of the few humans. Oh, okay. Like human humans, oh, okay. not a human who became a Cylon. They're, that's it's, obviously uh, that's obviously the that's, misdirect that's, that's, that they're doing then, because whenever I've seen covers, she's always on the front of the cover in a red dress looking mean or something. Oh, you may be thinking of Trisha Heffler. Oh, okay. She I'm was sorry. a Cylon. She was flat have out my, Have I got my blonde ladies mixed up? You may have got your blonde ladies mixed up, although I think Trisha Heffler okay. is actually a brunette in real life and just died at blonde for the show. But anyway, <laughs> that's beside the point. Could be uh, anyway, uh, here's a funny little, funny little anecdote before we go into it. Um, so um, Katie Sackhoff actually voiced uh, the, the character of Bo-Katan. Okay. In The Mandalorian, Bo-Katan is supposed to be reappearing. Oh. It will be played... Yeah, I heard that she was going to be in The Mandalorian, but I didn't know that she voiced Bo-Katan, so that makes sense. So she, uh, by all accounts, will be playing the same character that she played in the Clone Wars series. After watching this, there is some... I don't understand some of the stuff in Mandalorian now. Yeah, well, this is the thing. It's it's mostly to do with the traditions. I don't get it. Is the tradition that, or is the tradition this? Because I thought Bo-Katan was a traditionalist. Well, apparently, traditionalists don't take their masks off, their helmets off, ever. Yet, in this thing, they're all walking around with their helmets off. It's very... uh, Yeah, it's... No, I get that the general populace in Mandalore wouldn't, because Satine has changed the Mandalorian culture away from the warrior culture into Mm. a much more peaceful one. So, of course, they wouldn't wear their warrior clan helmets anymore or whatever. But, yeah, it's when members of Death Watch, who were supposedly, you know, your your extremists, Mm -hmm. the ones who believe in the warrior culture and want it to come back. Well, yeah, Mandalorian told us that that if you're a true Mandalorian, you never take the helmet off. Well, I think that's the Mandalorian that we're at at that point. Yeah, Uh, quite, quite. We've gone through some changes. So my point is that the show needs to tell us then, because I'm aware that they've got the same basic people behind it. Yeah. You know, it's it's Dave Filoni still, isn't it? And and people who worked on this show and on Rebels, I guess, you know, who are who are involved in Mandalorian in some way. So I, I do hope they bring some resolution to that because otherwise you're just introducing like there was no need to add the bit about I don't ever take my helmet off then if it See, contradicts uh, directly with something you've already established. Unless yeah, you have every intention of telling us how it got that way. I think the problem is at the moment because we're from, uh, you know, we, we, we've got Mandalorian related uh, instances in Clone Wars. We've also got some stuff going on in Rebels. Now, again, you haven't watched the the Rebel stuff again to push that a little bit further, which it does. Uh, and again, that's where the dark saber, as we've discussed before, yes, will come in. Again, the in, dark saber in, pops in, up in this, but it's not mentioned, referenced, talked about, really. Not particularly, no. No, he yeah, uses it, it, it like the the head of the yeah. Death Watch uses it, doesn't he? And then does. Yeah. Does Maul end up with it? Maul ends up with it, yeah, because he ends up becoming the, the leader of Death Watch. That's but right. again, that will go through another incarnation and you will learn a little okay. bit more about it. Um, uh, the thing is, I think, with The Mandalorian is that we have had one series, which was only maybe eight, ten episodes? I'm I, trying to no, it was eight. It was eight. Eight episodes? Yeah. Um, it only covered a, a short period. I think yeah. the fact that we've got little things like Bo-Katan going to be in the second series... I think this is going to bridge that gap that we've been yeah. wondering about. That's 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 my interpretation. Of. Well, because again, there's all this nonsense about Boba Fett, isn't there? That online about uh, he's not, yeah. he wasn't actually a Mandalorian, which means then presumably Django wasn't actually a Mandalorian. So they killed someone to get the armor, but then Boba Fett's going to be in the Mandalorian season two somehow. I think we'll wait and see on that one. I mean, I already uh, I was aware that supposedly some piece of extended universe bollocks somewhere 
has him escaping from the Sarlacc pit. Yes. Or some yes. shit. No, there was a, so yeah, there was I'm a story. aware that they've already... <laughs> yeah, no, there was a, there was like a comic book or one of the books uh, that that is no longer canon, as they might say. Oh, brilliant! Uh, so it's yeah, no longer canon. Yeah, they're going to reintroduce the fucking character. I no, d- d- don't. Sh- you don't need to be shouting at me, there, Bavia. Oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying them. Right them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's it. It's 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 one of those things where it's commonly the the joke of, oh, okay, yeah, it was in canon. Now it's not in canon. Is it in canon? We'll never know. We'll find out soon enough. Um. So anyway, going back to the episodes. So, um, yeah, we've got Ahsoka who um, ends up going over to Mandalore because she's heard about Maul being there and she's obviously want, wants to wants to take Maul down. So they then get in contact with, uh, with Obi-Wan. Um, and while he's a little bit apprehensive, uh, Anakin and the 501st, uh, more than happy to see Ahsoka again. Um, that bit is lovely. It's yeah, it such is. a beautiful little sequence there when they, they meet up again. You can see how happy Anakin is, but yeah. feels bad at the same time. I think they, they, they do a really good job of showing that in the character. I got that from him. I, I felt he was conflicted. He he was so happy to see her and wanted her to come back, but at the same time understands that she probably isn't going to because she feels the same way he's starting to feel. And she's already had it confirmed that the way he feels is is the way it is sort of thing uh i i, I think they did really well i also uh, again damn ahsoka is cool as fuck mm-hmm. there's the bit where they're because they're race they're going to the surface of of mandalore and they're getting shot at and stuff as they're going down and she's in a ship with rex and he's like i'll race you to the surface and then just starts jumping from ship to ship to ship as they get shot down just taking people out blah 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 and and rex is trying and he's like ha and goes off as well and the bit they because they all paint their masks don't they with her, yes, her with sort her, of colors yeah. just a lovely touch yeah i, I think that's really it's, really cool the fact that he he uh you know that she's not technically she's not a, a jedi anymore and the no. fact that you know she shouldn't be in control so in effect rex is in control he, he well, yes they, been, that's what they do to get promote, around the technicalities yeah, he's, isn't he's, it? he's they been, promote uh, rex to a commander yeah. and then she is alongside rex helping yeah, uh, but it's the Rex fact that the he still refers to her as Commander Commander Tano. He, yeah, he, he that respect, that level of respect that he has for her, and all the troops have for her, is shown by the fact that they have all painted their their helmets and stuff like that. Because doesn't mean just because you're not a Jedi anymore doesn't mean we respect you any less. If anything, we respect you even more at this point because you know you, you, you're choosing to do this, not because you're forced to, because you're a Jedi. Um, so anyway, this is also the, the, the little scene, just for, for those of you who are a bit unsure, this is effectively how we then write out Obi-Wan and Anakin to go off and deal with episode three. This is where the cross time, uh, yeah, or sorry, the, the, well, yeah, basically you can storylines kind of cross. Yeah. The last three episodes of this, you can sort of run alongside. I even think there is a thing on YouTube where someone has actually run. There is bits of episode three and some of these episodes together mm-hmm. um as as things take place because yeah there's there's a bit where it's uh uh they've yeah it's at the beginning of the second episode they're like oh anakin's just killed count dooku and it's like oh okay so he's dead oh shit that puts us in mm-hmm. the episode three actually crap okay yeah. i didn't realize we were tying it up like that because I, I didn't know that that's what we were going to do with these episodes because i tried to ignore everything about the seventh season when it came out so I, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that's what we were doing. 
Yep. Um, so the we... battle at the end of this, which you may was this what you were referencing earlier with Ray Park? Uh, I mentioned before the battle uh, in episode ten. Yeah, features Lauren Mary Kim and Ray Park, who actually did mocap. Yes, for Ahsoka and Maul's movements for the battle, yeah. Yeah. which that well, that's fantastic. And then the the episode after that, we have the Silas Carson, who was the original voice of Key Adi Mundi. Uh, voices him again. Ian McDiarmid voices Darth Sidious. Hayden Christensen voices Anakin Skywalker. Should not and Samuel happened. L voices Should Mace Windu, and yeah. all of them are done via archive recordings. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the Hayden is... Christensen one because yeah, the other guy has literally gone through the entire fucking thing, and then right at the end they just shoehorned him in. Like yeah, yeah. that really pissed me off. But I again, don't disagree I, for a point I, that I, will. You know, for a general point that I'll make at the end, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all in that, yeah. in that instance. Um, so yeah, as we go, I mean, th- this is one of the um, most amazing Jedi fights we'll probably ever see. Uh, between, well, sorry, lightsaber fights. I'm not going to say Jedi because Ahsoka isn't a Jedi at this point, actually. No. Uh, but the between the fight between Ahsoka and Maul is absolutely bonkers. Mm. Um, Absolutely f- fantastic. The fact that, like you say, they came back and did some motion capture for it showed that they had the the passion to kind of do it justice. Really, yeah. Um, I, I also think it shows that that clearly Disney were behind this as well yeah. uh, with the with the team because what animated show would give them the budget to do mocap? Yeah, for a fight sequence, I just doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, and so we get more effectively losing his battle to uh, to Ahsoka and being captured. Um, and he's screaming his head off like, you don't get it. We're well, yeah, all gonna he, die he knows, doesn't he? Oh, yes. He knows what's going to happen. He knows that Order 66 is coming somehow. I'm not really sure how, but he seems to be very aware that Sidious or, you know, the Sith Lord is, is, is going to fuck everyone over. Yep. So then we get, as you've mentioned, uh, the next one is, um, you know, they're, they're captured Maul and and they're trying to return to to Coruscant and they, you know, they get in contact and say, okay, Obi Obi Wan's going to take down Grievous, and suddenly Ahsoka feels the 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 events of Order sixty six because she suddenly feels Anakin slip to the dark side, complete. She she just feels it, and it's again, it's one of those heartbreaking things because you just see it in her face. All I'll say is, um, you know, even going into Rebels, there's just still the connection between her and Anakin, which, you know, when you get there, having watched this will make oh so much more sense, which mm. which is great. But obviously, at this point, all the clone troopers are now on Order 66, and uh, they're, they're, they're turning on her, including Rex. Yep. Although... Oh, was, oh, God, that nearly broke my heart. Although... That bit Rex, where she first realises. Yeah, although Rex to his credit, knows exactly, subconsciously knows what's going on and just keeps saying about fives to her. And she takes that clue and then realizes about the inhibitor chip. Yeah. And that's it. It's, it's, you know, with the help of a couple of droids, she manages to, you know, kind of remove his inhibitor inhibitor chip, sorry, and kind of restoring his free will. And this is one of the most important things. And again, it's, it's showed the relationship between Rex and Ahsoka, that out of all of the people, she has to rescue Rex. She's determined to rescue Rex. She doesn't want him to go down that road. Um, and they're, they, you know, uh, they're trying to escape at this point because Rex now knows what's going on, that 
effectively the war is over the separatists have been defeated you know the the republic has won but the republic is now the empire um maul while in custody is now broken out and decides to basically start destroying the absolute shit out of the ship which is just a beautiful sight just watching maul go to town just ripping Mm. every part of the ship um and you know just just fighting his way through the clones as well um unfortunately maul gets away ahsoka can't stop him from getting away so he gets away now again that's that's another thread there which leads casually into solo you know we his appearance in solo perhaps timeline wise is that before or after this i would say that that or is it somewhere in the middle of this I, i don't know where solo fits into the canon yeah, I mean, Solo for me, I think, fits in after Revenge of the Sith, but before A New Hope, because of the age of Han Solo. Yeah. But that's just me uh, speculating. And the fact that Maul is out in the open, whereas he spent the majority of this kind of season, uh, you know, under under lock and key to begin with, because he'd been taken prisoner, then he'd escaped, and now he's back on uh, a Mandalore, but from my perspective, it would be that that's occurring because also uh, that's the thing. He's when he's having his conversation, he's uh, he, he's having a conversation with a bunch of holograms, and one of those individuals looks like Paul Bettany's character from Solo. Oh uh, right, okay. So yeah, that was something that I picked up on as well. Um, so yeah, so they managed to escape anyway, um, and you know, basically Ahsoka at this point just discards her, her lightsabers. One of and them. It, yeah, one of them, sorry, yeah. And uh, and then Anakin, or Darth Vader as he is at this point, then arrives on the the moon where they, they'd crashed, finds the wreckage of their, their cruiser, and finds Ahsoka's lightsaber. And that's pretty much pretty much the Clone Wars done. And as you say, how could you not end the Clone Wars by ending the Clone Wars? Yeah, that's it. We've got that, that. That was my thing. I, I, I don't know how you could have ended that series without doing it. I understand when things get cancelled in a, you know, ahead of time. That's fair enough. But to to have been cancelled and then brought back and still not finished it off properly would have been a, a, an absolute capital crime. I think. Um. So yeah, I'm very glad they got to do it. I said that's it. yeah, it's very good at the end. I always wondered from the start how we were going to get because again, I was aware going into this that Ahsoka was going to be gone by the end. I, I was under no illusions of that. Like I say, I just don't know why you would do that at season five. Surely do that as you did here last mm. episode of season seven. Um, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that one and say that it was probably a cancellation timing issue they didn't know whether they were getting season six so they decided to well look we've got to write her out otherwise episode three makes no sense because we never see her or you know we've never seen her since sort of thing in anakin's life she's never mentioned you know again it was that thing of she's got to go because anakin never mentions her yeah at all yeah so it's like she didn't exist (laughs) you know because she didn't yeah um, um because we decided to go back and base a clone wars series so we had to make up a character to put in there to lead us in yeah. but it's good i'm glad they got to wrap it up i think ahsoka yeah. is the star of most of it for me but most of it, yeah what i would say is i have never ever liked the character of anakin and this show manages to make me like him not only like yeah him, he, he is a complex character yeah. he's got 
conflicting emotions, conflicting things. Now, it's not to say that all this stuff isn't referenced in episodes one, two, and three, or particularly two mm. and three. But the problem is the Hayden Christensen <laughs> just crap. And Do you want the actor who is portraying him here, even without me being able to see his face, mm. is giving this character way more emotion, way mm. more complexity, a ton of believability. I just, I want, you know, it's one of those things you think, fuck, if you'd have cast this guy in the role, actually, it might have been all right. But... Do you do you want to before we we finalize on 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 the the, the end of of this? Do you want to hear perhaps the worst news you could possibly ever hear? Now, whether this is true or not, I don't know. I'm really hoping you're not going to mention some of the rumor shit that's come out the last couple of days, which is absolute bollocks. But go on. Now, this is. <laughs> I think we're all fingers crossed, hoping that this is bollocks. That a certain Hayden Christensen has now signed up for the Obi Wan Disney Plus series. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, oh, shit. Yeah. So, shit. how? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Don't know much more than that. But it is being I mean, reported. That he's, again, not, that... he's not signed up for a small part. He's signed up for the whole season. Right. I so don't know how that will play. That's fucking problematic straight yes. away because that yes. means that means we're in episode two to three territory again no we better not be we better not this got where else can we be i don't know anything else because he's i don't know vader after i don't know we could genuinely go on about and rant about this the problem is the the, the problem is there's there's the only story to tell with obi-wan as they know damn well themselves is the story of him protecting the children over the years as they develop that's the only or uh, protecting leia uh sorry luke Luke. more specifically and maybe leia from a distance whatever That's the only story to tell left. If, But obviously, that is the way they were going with it, it would seem, until the whole thing got shut down because they realised that him looking after a child was pretty much exactly the same plot line that they'd used in The Mandalorian. So you can't have two... Say, you know, it'd be shit to have two shows using the same narrative to drive it forwards. Mm-hmm. So they're changing it. And, oh, fuck... If that's where yeah. they're going with it, that's really bad news. Now that, okay. This is only rumour and suspicion at no, this no, moment. No, no, that's fine. I, the, the, I don't know. Do you want to know the bit I thought you were going to say? Shoot. Oh, God, man. And and please, everyone, this is bollocks, right? It's got to be bollocks. I have no doubt that it's bollocks, okay? <laughs> okay. Supposedly, some fucking idiot twathead fanboys online. And why they think this guy would do a better job, I don't know. Have sure. you seen episodes one, two, and three? You know, the ones that he actually wrote and directed himself. Not the ones that were directed by Richard Marquand oh. and written by Lawrence Castan. Apparently, there is a George Lucas cut of episode nine. How can that ever exist? With apparently 40% new footage that he's taken off the cutting room floor. And apparently, in the article I read this morning, that was bollocks, and like it was written by a 12-year-old fanboy, it's hilarious. Uh, but claims to be genuine news. Um, apparently, the studio executives have seen it and can't believe how such an amazing film could have come out of the dregs that they thought they had. No, not buying it's it. It's fucking bollocks. Not buying Lucas it. has consulted on the films for years. Yes, not buying it. He is not actively involved. And again, guys, please, I remind you, if you are not educated on who actually wrote and directed the Star Wars movies, please go and look it. You will find that only one of the original three were directed by George Lucas. You'll find that I don't believe any of them 
were actually script, a screenplay written by George Lucas, or certainly if they were, he has a co-writing credit. I'd never argue the story, but the scripts, yeah, they were mostly written draft. by Lawrence Castan and Richard Marquand. Oh, yeah. The first three films, one, two, and three, were entirely written and directed by George Lucas. And they are arguably still the worst still now. So let's not get wrapped up in even thinking that George Lucas could have pulled off anything better than JJ had. Again, you want to see our thoughts on that? Go back. We are fair. We are not bashing because I say the make the point. I don't think anyone, I don't think there's a person on the planet who could have delivered an episode nine that would have satisfied everyone. No. I just don't think it would have happened. No. So to think that there is someone out there who has a perfect vision, you're wrong because the perfect vision was written. The perfect vision was there. They wrote their three films. They knew what they were going to do. Carrie Fisher died. That threw a spanner in the works. And from that stage, they were only ever scrambling around to do the best job they possibly could with a shit situation. So let's not think that that could happen. Anyway, we're going back, back to, to the Clone let's, Wars. Let's go back to Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, I think it just... Kenobi. I want to say something about Kenobi. I don't sure. think Kenobi is a very good guy. I don't think he comes off very well through this. Let's take an example. An example. How critical is he of Anakin mm-hmm. and, and Padme? Because he kind of knows what's going on. He does know what's going on. Because there's a there's bit where he's scene. talking to Padme and Rex is holding the door. Yes. That's exactly the scene. Exactly and the he scene. he knows damn well what's yeah. happening. He's but, like, oh, what's going on? Oh, um, nothing. I, I was yeah. just checking his helmet. Oh, well, I hope you said hello to Padme for me. So exactly. you know that they're banging yeah. and you don't really seem to have a problem with this? But he does. Then at other points, there are yeah, other exa- points exactly where he takes point. issue like, with it. Oh, it's and the then, duality of it. You just then laugh. Then you throw the sateen thing into it. Yeah. And you see that clearly you're just a f- the fucking same. Again, Given half with... a chance to see Satine day in, day out, you'd be banging her, mate. That's is what this, you'd be doing. Is this where we see the duality, though? Was all of the events where he was critical over this relationship with um, with Anakin and with Padme, was that pre his own affliction and relationship with Satine? If it was, then that I'll allow. Because he I don't now... know how you could. I mean, obviously, yes, they've got that get out of jail free card. Because yeah, they you know, he now understands the relationship. They admit the thing is not told chronologically, but I, yeah. I don't know how they could have had you such could... a, an amazing relationship just within the period of the Clone Wars. But fair enough. Um, um, but allowing itself to tie into the the films <laughs> by allowing us to understand Order 66 and how all the clone troopers that yep. we've grown to love and know over these last few seasons, how they ended up becoming the individuals that they did. Mm. But they had no choice in the matter. Um, understanding how Anakin's fall eventually becomes by building various events throughout the series. Uh, go back and the, the, the father, the brother and the sister. Yeah, uh, the one episode. where he has the vision, which unfortunately, again, we have to then retcon by the end of the episode. Yeah. Because if he actually knows what's going to happen, it changes the course of his future. Precisely. It's, uh, it's really interesting. Ahsoka's journey, uh, you know, is, is she's no longer a Jedi. The Jedi don't exist. She's not part of the Jedi, but she, you know, she, she survives and she carries on. And, you know, she goes into Rebels. Won't say too much about that, um, you know, because... Uh, well, again, I, I believe you, in Season 7, there. they actually use the name, don't they? They actually 
call her Fulcrum at one point, or they they reference Fulcrum at some stage in in this season seven. May well do. May well do. They do. They do. I just they're not calling her it, but they're it, it's something Agent, related Agent to what Fulcrum does come up. Yeah, that yeah something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that is mentioned. But I was like, huh, you're not Fulcrum yet, though. So that's weird. But anyway, that's that's obviously stuff for me to discover. I think the only last thing I would have to say is I've seen a lot since season seven came out because obviously since season seven came out that people have revisited this and obviously it's all available on Disney Plus now so you can watch the whole thing mm-hmm. start to finish you know it's like um, Avatar Last Airbender has had a massive resurgence since oh, everything popped massive, up on Netflix massive so, resurgence because it's in HD now exactly um, so I I've seen a lot of stuff talking about how how the Clone Wars make the prequels better. And I take issue with that Hmm. because it doesn't change the prequels. Does it mean that next time I watch episode three, I'm going to understand a little bit more about the machinations that have gone on in the background that lead to Order 66 and such? Yes, of course I'm going to do that. But it doesn't make them better because when I watch those two films together and take them on their own value... They're not very good. They don't tell me everything the Clone Wars needs to know. And as I always say, I'm quite happy to watch the wider universe stuff if it's of interest to me. And Mm. if it adds to my next experience viewing a film so that I can see where everything ties in together and threads, all the better. But I shouldn't have to have watched it to understand the film. Mm -hmm. And still, to this day, if I watched episode two and three, I don't know how the em- how all the fucking machinations of the separatists in the Republic end up with the Emperor being in charge. It yeah. doesn't seem to make any sense because he always seems to be counter intuiting himself in scenarios. You think, well, don't don't do that because that's going to hand victory to the separatists. And as I've said, you actually need the Republic to survive, not the separatists. I, it just ties itself in knots. So I love this, but for me. To say that Clone Wars adds to the prequels is to do a disservice to the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. The Clone Wars is so much more involved, so much more enjoyable, because we don't have to worry about, oh, okay, we, we know Anakin's slide to the dark side. The performance of the actor who does it is fucking atrocious. That's, yeah. just, that's just the way it is. The fact that they shoehorned in a load of politics, well, in the politics in this series make more sense because yes. you've got time to develop it okay that's that chancellor although that's that leader or whatever well you've got a three or four episode arc to complete that and to be able to make sense of where they are where they're going and how that develops yeah if Shoot i can put an example in, into okay, that. We're, we're 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 gonna put um you know uh, we're gonna we're gonna put a ring around naboo and say no no trade the fuck does that have to do with anything? It's yeah. never explained, never understood, never explained. No. Uh, your example, sorry. Sorry, uh, yeah, my example of uh, that would have been um, how... No, I've lost it. No, forget it. Move on. Move on. From there, then. Um, so, yeah, so, as I say, this, you know, it was a very enjoyable series. Not going to say every episode was great, because, you know, if, if an episode involved Jar Jar, Likely it was boring and, and shitty. Same with the R2 and, and C3PO ones. Um, but there's enough greatness in there. Um, you know, like I say, one of the best 
Star Wars characters of all time in, in Ahsoka Tano for me. Yeah, uh, totally who, agree. I think you know, she's a fantastic character, and I'd, I, I'm yeah. If they're going to use her in live action stuff, I'm all for that. Yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, I, do, I obviously I will watch Rebels at some point, and and you know see the story continue there. But I, I'm definitely interested in in seeing the character move forwards more. Uh, and getting integrated properly because obviously yes she's never been integrated properly because she appeared between two films that were made after the two films had been made so you know some years after the two films had been made so again i'm sure the start of this was 2008 and yeah uh, episode yeah, two yeah. was like 2002 2001 so it was quite yeah. a long time after episode two um, um. but yeah yeah, I'm I'm very pleased I've watched it. It was as you say, I, I would say that it is mostly an enjoyable experience. Any Star Wars fan, I would say, should watch some of it at least. Mm. Uh, you know, listen back, maybe pick out the stuff that we do. Yeah. Um some of some of them, you know, the the three or four parters are incredible. I still sitting here, I still think I could have picked about there are about three three other plot lines that I would have used instead of the one they did for the film. Like there are three, three or four part episodes that go through this whole thing that I think would have worked far better for the first film that they did, but mm. fair enough. They did it the way they did. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of done. I think I've gone through all my notes, I believe. So thank you everybody again for joining us on our two part expedition on the clone wars tv series uh as we say we will hopefully at some point in the near future uh cover the series rebels uh which is a very very good continuation of this story for uh, some of the plot threads some of the characters etc etc uh not necessary that you have to have watched this um but yeah so uh, if you've enjoyed the clone wars um like we say if you if you haven't and uh, you've got access to disney plus give uh, give some of the ones that we've listed a mention i know some of the the darth maul stuff is by far uh some of the really enjoyable ones like i say the the father the son and the daughter very mm. very good in terms of uh the discussion of the force and and how that plays in so um i'd also but- say as much as i'm not a fan of the film it it's the plot line of the film that annoys me more but i do think that is important because that's the introduction of ahsoka mm-hmm. so you know her character is introduced and defined and conceptualized yeah in the sure. film so yeah, it is yeah. important from that point of view to see the beginning of ahsoka's story i like to say i just the whole thing with kidnapping baby hut and stuff i was like oh you just want to put jabba the hut in it because it's a recognizable <laughs> character and you can make merch you know yeah we like, there are I, a few I wish you'd like have that. gone for yeah. other stories there are other stories that i would have much rather have seen anakin and ahsoka going out to try and solve you know mm-hmm. um but yeah so all right, guys, uh, we will leave it at that. Uh, it will be movies next time. I haven't quite decided what we're doing yet, so uh, we will see. But until next time, I have been Bav. I've been Fluff. And this has been Screen Masters. <laughs>